MRN's Classic Races are brought to you by Hercules Tires. MRN, the Motor Racing Network, presents the NASCAR Winston Cup Series. Today, the Budweiser at the Glen from Watkins Glen International. Sponsored by Budweiser, Beachwood aged for that distinctively clean, crisp taste that makes Budweiser the king of beers. By new, rich, smooth, skull long cut straight. No other tobacco tastes like it. By Pontiac, America's road car company. Pontiac, we build excitement. By Wrangler brand, a legend in jeans. By Piedmont Airlines, the official airline of NASCAR. By the STP Corporation, STP products help your car run right longer. By Levi Garrett Chewing Tobacco, time after time, the quality comes through. By Timex Corporation, the official timekeeper for NASCAR. By Gatorade Thirst Quencher, Gatorade gives your body what it's thirsty for. By True Value Hardware Stores, the more you've got to do, the more you need True Value Hardware. By Kentucky Fried Chicken, make a pit stop and grab a bucket of chicken before the races. By Unical, the winning spirit rides with you every time. It's the spirit of 76. And by Ocean's 11 Resorts on beautiful Daytona Beach. been almost like a carnival carnival atmosphere ever since we came up here on Thursday afternoon among the pit crews and the drivers and the fans and the media and everybody involved. They are really looking forward to this race, although as when we first came on the air, we pointed out that a lot of drivers were a little apprehensive because when you get off here, you're going to pay a price, Mike. There's no question about that. And we talked to a lot of drivers about that, and it's about a 50-50 situation. Some think that we might tear up a lot of equipment here today, and some feel that just being that cautious, extra cautious, and, and knowing that you can get in trouble so easy here, we won't see that. So Dick Brooks and Ned Jarrett will be patrolling the pits, and perhaps we can get some thoughts from some of the drivers down there on that subject in a minute. Well, unlike Riverside, California, where there's a lot of runoff area in the grass or the dirt before you get to the guardrail, here the guardrail is no more than six to eight feet back from the racing surface. It's high. In some places, it's four strands of steel high. And to Darrell Waltrip, it looked kind of like driving through a two-and-a-half-mile tunnel. Well, in a way, yeah. And in another way, uh, that's the way it should be. A racetrack is supposed to be a racetrack. It's supposed to be confined. I think it, it makes you drive a little bit more meticulously. Meticulously. And uh, I think it keeps your attention a little bit better than uh, a track like Riverside where you say, oh, well, I ran off in the S's or, oh, well, I ran off in this place or that place. Here, uh, I haven't heard a soul bragging about running off any place. <laughs> and I don't think you'll hear anybody bragging about running off the course uh, during the course of the week here. I kind of like it this way. Uh, the guardrails, I wish they were some other color, though. I don't really like that baby blue. I wish they were red or white or something. But anyhow, I think it's a neat racetrack, and uh, I think this may be one of the best things that NASCAR has ever done. i got a feeling those guardrails will be red and white and green <laughs> and all kinds of colors before the day is over because we're going to see some cars off the course. Let's check in with Dick Brooks and see if he's caught up with some of the drivers on pit road. Barney, I'm uh, watching Neil Bonnet hook up here. He's... Uh trying to get himself strapped in his car. Let's talk just a little bit about uh, how, what kind of condition. Are you, you feeling okay? You, had, you know, you had an awful bad spill, and you set Talladega out, and uh, you think things are going to be all right? Dick, I'm feeling a lot better. The last couple of days, I've really come around a lot. The, the biggest thing is all places to be right here shifting gears, you know, right after we got injured in my right shoulder. But I've really felt good the last couple of days. The cars just ran super up here. If I stay in good shape and the car runs all day, we probably have a good day of racing. You know, we've had a little little talk about, and not a controversy, but a little discussion about 
if people, if it, this, this track is tight and it's going to be a difficult in a lot of places to pass, there's not a whole lot of places to pass unless you just outpower somebody. Do you think that, uh, you know, in early stages of the race that people should charge or not charge or, or uh, do you think they're going to? That's the big question right now. I think we're going to just play it by ear and see what the guys up front do. We're not even sure if we can have enough brake pads, not necessarily losing the brakes as far as the pedal going away, but just virtually having enough material on the pads to go the distance. So we're going to see how fast the pace is, and uh, if it's awful tough, I think you're going to see some of these guys back it down for a change, which we haven't done in a long time. Well, Neil, you're one of them guys up front, so you're going to have to help set that pace. Good luck to you. Barney, I'd like to say that they, you know, uh, a lot of times in my experience in this kind of a situation where everybody knows what they're going to do. They, they, uh, they know it's going to be tight. They know it's going to be a problem. They uh, are more cautious. They might take more, more uh, brave moves, but they're more cautious in what they're doing, and, and, uh, and they, they, they pay more attention to what they're doing and put on a good race without having any problems. Other times, they don't uh, think much about it. It's, uh, it's one of those things that just happen. The race starts, and everybody starts trying to pass each other, go to the front, and they leave them all over the racetrack. So... I think we'll know in the first five or six laps what this place is going to do to them. There won't be any question about that. And I, the unknown is the problem because, Mike, you've been around this course like I have, and you've, you're more familiar with it than I am. But the thing that they pointed out to me that impresses me and impresses the drivers is there are totally three what we call blind corners on this racetrack. You make a judgment as to where to shift, what speed you go there, and what you're going to do with the car, not seeing what you're going to be running into. In other words, you make a judgment before you see the situation, and you have to be right. No, that's, that is true as well. I think a lot of people were mystified by the, the chassis setup, the brake setup, virtually everything when they came in here. Even the drivers like Jeff Bodine, Bill Elliott, and Ricky Rudd that have done some IMSA racing, and some of the pure road race drivers in the field like Al Unser Sr. and Tommy Riggins. Uh, they had an idea once they got here. For example, I asked Riggins if all of his IMSA racing experience was helpful coming in here with these big heavy cars. Well, yeah, you know, really, I think that the IMSA experience helped me for about the first five minutes of the first practice. And that was about it. By then, everybody was at ground zero because nobody had ever driven these big, heavy cars on a, on a pure road race course with uphills and downhills and undulations and varying turns like this. One thing that's really neat in the garage area is that there is more different kinds of equipment in use here from one car to the next than we've seen virtually anywhere. Some cars have a single brake master cylinder. Many cars have a dual master cylinder system. Waltrip's car has stock car products front uh, disc brakes. Some use the Wildwood. Tommy Riggins car has a British Lockheed AP brake system on the on the front of the car that is derived from what's used on the Porsche 935 endurance cars. Everybody's got a different idea of what it's going to take to get around this racetrack fast and what it's going to take to last. Mike, one thing that you you might have touched on there was nobody had had 3700 pound cars on this racetrack before. They uh the I think one thing that NASCAR, or the drivers, are, are going to have to uh, adjust to as in, in the future, if they go to cities or, or road races like this, they're going to have to adjust to road, road race courses that you can't see over the hills or around the corners on. Riverside or Daytona, you can see that away, but here you can't do that. And the other courses, uh, a lot of the other road courses the same way. I've been to Le Mans a couple times in France, and, and you can't see around those corners or, or over the hills. They've got little hash marks. You've got to take care of them. One thing that the road course people are going to have to adjust to here more than anything else is the weight of the cars. When the car gets sideways and it weighs 1,800 pounds and you've got 20 inches of rubber on each tire, the car stops quick. These things have only got 10 inches of rubber on each tire, and they weigh 3,700 pounds. So they don't stop very fast. Bill Elliott found that out when he went over the wall in his qualifying practice. When he went off the racetrack, he didn't slow down until he hit the wall and went out over the top of it. So they got to do a lot of adjusting to that. One other rule they've done, everybody's very, very concerned about brakes. 
uh, probably more concerned about brakes than anything else. And one thing that NASCAR has allowed them to do is to use two jacks on a pit stop if they want to change brake pads. Now, if they put two jacks under the car and change the tires and don't change brake pads, then they're, then they're going to hold them for a penalty. But if they can use, if they want to change brakes on the car, which is which they can do, they can change them in, in a matter of 20, 30 seconds. 40, well, in a matter of a minute anyway. And they can change brake pads if they want. If they want to do that, they can use two jacks. So they're going to help them out a little bit on it. I think everybody's in a learning process here, and uh, I know some of the drivers are really liking it. We'll be back at Watkins Glen. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical, underage sale prohibited. Introducing Zone Nicotine Pouches, the perfect balance of unparalleled comfort, longer-lasting flavor, and nicotine that satisfies. Whether you're zoning in during the race or zoning out after a tough day at work, Zone gets you there faster and keeps you there longer. Available in seven flavors and in six and nine milligram strengths. Find Zone at zonepouches.com and retailers near you. Own your Zone with his own nicotine pouches. Napa! Silence is golden, especially when it comes to brakes. That's why Napa Silent Guard are built to be one of the smoothest and most quiet brakes on the market. Made with fiber-reinforced shins that eliminate noise for the life of the pad, rubber-coated hardware for a better fit, and quality design that meets and exceeds OE performance. Silent Guard brakes deliver the stopping power drivers demand. Available now at Napa locations nationwide. Napa! going 40 miles an hour this is a residential area sure but i'm on my lawnmower wait am i getting a ticket no i've just never seen anyone top nine miles an hour on one of those bad boys and mow their entire lawn in 30 seconds what got into you well it did fuel up at sunoco this morning at sunoco we know how to fuel peak performance we've been doing it for american racing for over 50 years fuel your best Quickly, let's take a look at the starting lineup as the cars are already pulled onto the course here. Back in 36th position, James Hilton starts the Fleet Service Chevrolet. 35th, Eddie Beerswall, the Texas driver, the Sunny King Ford. 34th is Phil Good of Williamsburg, Virginia, the Williamsburg Motors Racing Ford. J.D. McDuffie starts from 33rd in the Winkle Rumple Pontiac. 32nd, Jimmy Means, Forest City, North Carolina, the McCarty McGee Racing Pontiac. 31st, Buddy Arrington of Martinsville in the panel knitting Ford. 30th this afternoon is Jocko Majacomo of Pukipski, New York, in the Linro Corporation Racing Buick. 29th is Rick Knoop of Laguna Neagle, California. He's in the U.S. Racing Chevrolet. And 28th is Tom Rotzel of Corning, New York, in the Chislam AMC Racing Ford. 27th, rookie Chet Phillip of Ozona, Texas, in the Circle Bar Racing Ford. 26th, George Fulmer of Huntington Beach, California, in the Hansford Racing Chevrolet. 25th will be Kenny Schrader from Benton, Missouri, the Red Baron Pizza Ford. 24th, Tommy Riggins, the road racer from Jacksonville, Florida, in the Valvoline Pontiac. And 23rd is Phil Parsons of Denver, North Carolina, in the Skoll Oldsmobile. 22nd is Bill Elliott of Dawsonville, Georgia. He is in the Coors Melling Ford Thunderbird. Crashed when he tried to qualify on the first day. Had to come back the second day. Fastest Bush second round qualifier, Joe Rutman of Upland, California. In the Quaker State Buick, he'll go 21st. 20th is Rick Wilson of Bartow, Florida. The Kodak Film Oldsmobile. Morgan Shepard rolls off 19th in the Nationwide Auto Parts Pontiac from Conover, North Carolina. 18th is Bobby Hillen, Jr., the Talladega 500 winner from Midland, Texas. The Miller American Buick. 17th will be Poncho Carter from Brownsburg, Indiana. The K-Care wins Chevrolet. 16th is Kyle Petty of Randleman, North Carolina in the 7-Eleven Ford. 15th, good qualifying run for rookie Mike Waltrip of Owensboro, Kentucky. The Hawaiian Punch Pontiac. Moving up a notch. 
to the seventh row. Dave Marcus of Wausau, Wisconsin, has the Helen Ray Special Chevrolet 14th. And 13th is Benny Parsons of LRB, North Carolina. He's in the Copenhagen Oldsmobile. Terry Labonte will be carrying one of our in-car radios today from Corpus Christi, Texas, in the Piedmont Oldsmobile. 11th starter, Bobby Allison from Hueytown, Alabama, the Miller American Buick. In 10th position, Dale Earnhardt, Canapolis, North Carolina driver, the Wrangler Chevrolet. Ninth is Richard Petty, Random North Carolina, the STP Pontiac. In 8th position, Jeff Bonine of Chemung, New York, and the Levi Garrett Racing Chevrolet. Starting 7th is Ricky Rudd of Chesapeake, Virginia, the Motorcraft Ford. Al Unser from Albuquerque, New Mexico, starts Buddy Baker's Crisco Oldsmobile from 6th position. Neil Bonnet will go 5th on the field in the Budweiser Chevrolet. Rusty Wallace will be the 4th starter of the Algegard Pontiac. 3rd is Harry Gannon of the Skull Chevrolet. And starting on that front row this afternoon, Tim Richmond and Darrell Waltrip. Of course, Richmond on the pole. Richmond, 117 and a half miles per hour as they go around on the second and the final pace lap will take you around the Watkins Glen International Road Course and the voices you'll hear today. We're atop the start-finish line along the new pit straightaway. It's a long straightaway that goes very sharply downhill, down into turn number one, a 90-degree right-hand corner that they call the 90, and standing there to be checking on incidents throughout the afternoon will be Gary Montgomery. Thank you, Mike, and it's a beautiful sight as the cars parade by us now on their first parade lap. As they come out of turn number one, they go past a set of grandstands in the Camel Tower before they climb the hill up through turns two, three, and four, the S's. And at the top of turn four is Eli Gold. And it is a major league climb going uphill as opposed to the graduated climb of a Riverside, California. Uphill through three gentle S turns and then out of turn number four. Lots of passing will begin out of four onto the long back straightaway where speeds there will hit some 170 miles an hour. In front of us here on the S's, the speeds will be at 120 to 120. 25 miles an hour, and depending upon whether you're using a Jericho or a Borg Warner transmission, you may or may not be shifting through the S's or until you get to the head end of the back straightaway. We'll detail that for you throughout the afternoon. And more on those transmissions later in the broadcast. Down at the end of that long back stretch is Jerry Punch. Well, the back straightaway here, Mike, is five-eighths of a mile. That's 3,000 feet, roughly the same as you see at Talladega or Daytona, except that it's not three and four lanes wide. It's only about two lanes wide, and the guardrail sits six feet away from the edge of the racetrack. Not much room for error. They will downshift in the tur into third gear, and they come by us here into turn five. A downhill, 180-degree about face that drops off like a roller coaster, some drivers say. One of the most treacherous turns on this 2.4-mile course. As Barney pointed out, that's one of the blind corners on this racetrack, and it's at the fastest part of Watkins Glen International. Coming down that hill in turn number five, the Grand Prix cars would use what they call the long course and go down through a new section of the track called the boot, turn six, seven, eight, and nine. But the NASCAR teams use the short course, and they hop directly from the exit of turn five straight across to turn 10. And coming out of turn five, Joe Moore is there. It's of course called the loop down at turn number five. They'll be coming off this turn as Jerry a few moments ago. It's a hard right turn, 180 degree turn, plus it's downhill, and it's a tough part of the racetrack. They'll pass that entrance to the boot area and head straight on down the short chute down towards turn 10. And at turn 10 is Dave Sutherland. They'll come down uh, toward us on the short chute at about 135 or 40 miles an hour. They'll be in third, some in fourth gear. They'll downshift to about 80 miles an hour and make a 110-degree turn into turn 10 and another short chute heading over towards turn 11 and back toward the start-finish line. Marvin Patch is standing in the flag stand with a regular NASCAR flagman, Harold Kinder. He is the honorary starter here this afternoon to get him underway as the pace car ducks in behind pit wall. They come down, and Marvin does a magnificent job of putting him under green. They'll go door to door, down by pit road and down that sharp hill into the first turn. They're four wide as they enter the first turn, and Darrell Waltrip in the Budweiser car has the lead over Tim Richmond. Up on the outside comes Rich Wallace in the Elliott Guard car. 
Harrigan falling back just a bit as they enter the second left-hand turn and head up towards the S's. Harrigan and Ricky Rudd battling for that fourth spot. Rugg takes the inside groove while Walchip and Richmond bang together twice. Rusty Wallace also sustains some of the damage there as Richmond pulls away. He's got a two-car lane lead. The battle now is for second spot, Wallace and Walchip. Darrell Waltrip and Rusty Wallace battle back in the pack, but Tim Richmond leads away. Now they're three wide down this back straightaway. Rusty Wallace on the outside, slips by Tim Richmond, but Darrell Waltrip goes underneath them in turn five. Waltrip is the leader. Wallace runs second. They'll head around turn number five, going downhill 180 degrees into the short shoot. Waltrip will bring him off the short shoot, off the fifth turn, and down the short shoot. They'll come over a tunnel access where the track narrows down, and now they're downshifting into turn 10. It's Darrell Waltrip leading Rusty Wallace and Tim Richmond. Good hard battle coming off turn number 10 into the right-hand 90-degree turn 11 where they widen out and even kick up the dirt coming off that corner before they pass under the Winston Cup Bridge. It is Waltrip and Wallace right on his rear bumper. Ten car lengths back to Ricky Rudd, Harry Gant, Neil Bonnet, Tim Richmond, and Al Unser. They're in one. Waltrip leading is a Alleyguard car right tight behind as they go through the 90 degrees. Behind the Unser car, Richard Petty, Jeff Bodine, along with Dale Earnhardt, Bobby Allison, and Benny Parsons in that order. But now through turn two, uphill into three and four, and then eventually towards that long back straightaway. It's still Darrell Waltrip and Rusty Wallace pulling away by just about a full second on Ricky Rudd. It's single file through this portion of the race course until they get to the back stretch. The winningest driver in road course history for NASCAR, Darrell Waltrip leads the charge, single foul. Rusty Wallace will try to sneak a pick to the inside, but Waltrip holds him off down in turn five. They head down the hill. The Budweiser Chevrolet of Darrell Waltrip leading the pack as they come down the hill. The 180-degree right-hand turn in turn number five. Rusty Wallace right on his tail. They're beginning to move away from Ricky Rudd, who's in third. Through the gears, they come down the short straightaway. They'll head toward that tunnel access over that where the track narrows and then make the left-hand turn into turn, turn 11, uh, 10, and then right-hand into 11. Waltrip leads Wallace, and they're pulling away from Rudd. They pulled away by about a second and a half over Ricky Rudd and Harry Gant and Neil Bonnet. Those are the top five as they work back into the front straightaway and head into the corner. Now, every driver here was going to try and pass as many cars as he could in the first seven or eight laps and then kind of settle down and race a while. Single file, they'll go down the hill and back into the S's, and that's exactly the way they are. Not much racing in the pack right now at this stage. Let's go to Eli Gold. The field works their way through. Again, some of these drivers are shifting from turn one into turn two, and then again halfway up this hill towards turn number four. Other drivers with different transmission setups don't shift until they come through the S's totally. The front two cars, Walchip and Wallace, still with a second on Ricky Rudd. Gant is fourth. Bonnet is fifth. Sixth belongs to Tim Richmond, and Al Unser is seventh. Darrell Waltrip seems to be able to pull Rusty Wallace by two car lengths on the back straightaway. Waltrip backs off awfully early trying to save those brakes early on, but Rusty Wallace now showing a lot of smoke, tire smoke beneath his car in turn five. A lot of smoke coming out of the second spot as they come off turn five down the hill. He's about two car lengths behind Waltrip. Third is Ricky Rudd, fourth Harry Gant, fifth is Neil they go from the outside of the track off turn five to the inside of the track, setting up for turn 11. And again, Waltrip is now pulling about three car lengths away from Wallace. Wallace is showing smoke, but it's not coming from the tires. It's further off in the back of the car. There's heavy smoke from Giacomo Majacomo coming through the S's. He'll shut it down as he attacks the back straightaway. He's to the inside of the track out of everybody's way. Caution is out for Giacomo Majacomo. Waltrip leads Wallace across the line. Rudd is third. Gant is fourth. Bonnet is fifth. Sixth is Richmond. Seventh is Unser. Eighth is Bodine. Ninth is Richmond. Petty, 10th is Dale Earnhardt, 11th Bobby Allison, then it's Benny Parsons, Terry Labonte, Joe Rutman, Kyle Petty, and Dave Marcus, followed by Phil Parsons, Bobby Hillen, Bill Elliott, and Mike Waltrip. We'll be right back. Citywide to countryside, 
Whatever you drive, wherever you go, Hercules has the value, selection, and industry-leading warranty to get you there no matter where the road takes you. Go to HerculesTires.com. There you can find the nearest authorized Hercules retail location to you. Plus, you can use the tire tracker to find out which Hercules tire fits your vehicle the best. That's HerculesTires.com. Hercules Tires, ride on our strength. Kyle Larson brings his Chevy in. Four tires to no go racing fuel. From fueling NASCAR champions on the track for over 20 years to innovating 94 octane, the highest octane on the market. Performance is what Sunoco does. All Sunoco fuel at the pump meets the same top tier standards as the fuel used in NASCAR. Money's not here for Ryan Blaney. Four tires with Sunoco fuel. From the track to your tank, you can trust Sunoco to help your vehicle perform at its peak. Outdoor care to home and auto repair. Do it with Craftsman. Find the tools, equipment, and storage you need at your local Lowe's, Ace Hardware, or Craftsman.com. We're back at Watkins Glen International, and we're working the first caution flag of the afternoon. Came out a moment ago when Jocko Majacomo apparently spilled an engine out on the course, and they'll have to go out and put some oil dry down. They'll be running single file and complete the fourth lap, so he will become the first casualty here this afternoon. Cover a couple of notes, Barney. Willie T. Ribs, the noted California road racer and a former Trans Am race winner here at Watkins Glen, came up with the Die Guard racing team, qualified for the show. Uh, they lost an engine before first round qualifying, didn't make that one, but in the second round they qualified in 30th position. But yesterday afternoon they lost uh, the last engine they had on the truck. The Die Guard team was unable to obtain or borrow one, and they packed up yesterday and went home, having already had a qualified spot but did not start this event. Buddy Baker is here as well, and he, along with Richard Petty, were the two drivers that ran here in 1965 that were entered for this race. But Baker, after coming up and looking around, decided he would not run his car, but rather turn it over to the noted road racer and Indy champion Al Unser Sr. Baker explains. We talked about it in Talladega, and the car has been running well enough to win races in the past four or five shows, and uh, we got to talking about it, and I really don't run enough road courses to be sharp, and uh, I initially talked to uh, Al Unser Jr. and then his father uh, later on, and, and uh, it was one of the answers that we really wanted in the car, and Al become available and I said well it's a good chance for me to spend some time with the crew this weekend you know find out our week and, and strong suits in the pits and uh, also to have a road racer on a road course that's most important you know it's like when I go to Daytona I feel like I do as good a job as anybody but on a road course I hurt the car and we want to win a race right now. Baker admits he's not a road racer in fact wasn't it Baker that claimed he had driven out of Riverside for three years before he knew the track was paved. Well, that may be true, because uh, a lot of them bite the dust out there. We've had Buddy Arrington on pit road during this round of caution flags, or this first caution flag of the afternoon this afternoon for an update from the pits. Let's go to Ned. We were here when he made his last pit stop, Barney, and uh, Joey Arrington, Buddy's son, said that they, the idling speed went up quite a bit. He didn't know if it had been a 
a shaft or just what had happened anyway, they pulled the air cleaner off and checked that out and hoped to idle it down a little bit because you, when you start into some of these tight turns, you need to get it wowed down as much as you possibly can. You don't want the thing to be idling 1,000 miles or 1,000 RPMs when you go into those turns, but they think they got that corrected on the panel sweatshirts forward. Well, were, as we said, there's an awful lot of unknowns. They came here and found out some problems they didn't anticipate. We heard a lot of the car owners, Bud Moore and Junior, and different uh, people in the pits yesterday talking that we've got a problem, but we don't have the pieces up here to cure it because we didn't anticipate having to do something to correct this. And one of the problems that they've had all week long is, of course, with the brakes. And at a high speed at the end of the long straightaway that we talked about, when they put on the brakes sometimes, the car has a tendency, like you're on a dirt road, for the rear end to start jumping up and down, the wheels bouncing up and down. And when you do, you lose traction. And when you do that, you cannot turn the car. And as Dale Earnhardt told us, when you go in the corners, the reason that brakes are so important, you literally, as Dale says, have to stop the car to turn it. And he talked about yesterday just how hard it would be on brakes. you got to start the car to go around the corners. You know, it's... Uh that's a fact that it's nothing you can do about it. You got to go down there and you got to mash the brakes to go down to the corner. And, uh, uh, you know, it's a factor that uh, it's there and you got to put up with it. I think it is going to be about as hard as Martinsville. And uh, if NASCAR would let us take about 500 pounds off these cars on these road courses alone and at short tracks or just at least these road courses, we could be a lot more competitive and put on a show with anybody. The thoughts of Dale Earnhardt and I, the L&R cars that they will be going to one of these days, that's exactly what they anticipate doing. Go ahead, Ned. Barney, I, Barney, I was with in Rusty Wallace's pits. He running second, and uh, and really the car's really really working well, but it's got quite a bit of smoke. I'm talking to Barry Dotson. What do you say was wrong with it? Uh, nothing, Dick. Everything's fine. We just overfilled the transmission a little bit, playing it safe, and evidently we got it a little too full. When he really gets on the brakes, it tops a little grease out. It should be fine in lap or two. Okay, it looks like they're making up a catch can for that. They're going to put on it if they have to. Rusty was one of the drivers who told us that he felt like they might tear up an awful lot of equipment here today, and he was concerned about it. Honestly, I really do. I, I hope it doesn't happen, but uh, you know, I'm prepared to, to be on my guard throughout the race because there's a lot of places out here that can get you in trouble. There's a lot of real inexperienced race drivers, including myself at this racetrack, uh, and uh, everybody else is in the same boat as I am. So we're just going to have to take this place and, and, and be careful with it, but run hard and try to put, it, put a good show on. Definitely the fans are up here. There's no doubt about that. Four laps complete. We're working the first caution of the day for Jocko Majacomo's blown engine out on the back part of the course. The SCCA course workers and NASCAR working to get, to get that cleaned up, and hopefully we'll be back to the green flag before too long. We've been talking about some of the varied equipment that the drivers and race teams have been employing here at Watkins Glen International to deal with the various challenges posed by this road race course. And one area in which there is not agreement among the teams is in transmissions. There is a big difference, two very different transmissions that are being used in some of the cars. Darrell Waltrip explains. Well, yeah, any road race, that's the concern. Uh, you know, the gearboxes take a great deal of abuse. We're still pretty much with the uh, established Borg Warner road racing gearbox, which is the same gearbox we run on the super speedways. A lot of the guys have gone to a new transmission that's designed specifically for road racing. It's called a Jericho and uh, they seem to have a great deal of success with that. We're a little, we're apprehensive. We're going to stay with uh, what we know works for us and uh, look at something different down the road, I guess. So Waltrip has the Borg Warner transmission. Ricky Rudd is one of the drivers using the new Jericho transmission. 
We've had both in there. We've had a bulk Warner. We've also got that uh, Ford Motorsport Jericho transmission in there. And uh, I really hated to see him come out with that transmission because it's such a good transmission that uh, it can make a guy that's not a road racer uh, become a road racer because the transmission is so forgiving. You don't have to worry about the heel-toe downshifting and all the, the true road race stuff because the gearbox is, uh, is so much better than anything we've ever had in the past that it makes it easy. Is that what you're running? We're running. We're racing the Jericho, and we, you know, we're somewhat concerned. We've never raced one before, and we're a little bit concerned will it hold up. But everybody seems to uh, think that it's much stronger than than the other units that we've had in the past, and it really should be the way it's designed inside. It has no synchronizer rings, and uh, really most of these guys out here are shifting with no clutch at all. Once they leave the pit road, they're not even using the clutch anymore, and the transmission shifts that good that all you do, it's it's almost like an automatic stick shift. If you want to go next gear, you just sort of ease out of the gas and just lay it in the next gear, and just get it close to that gear and the transmission just sort of has seems like it has a magnet it sucks it into gear with a standard transmission like you'd run in a road car which we used to run there was always some question whether or not you had it all the way in gear if you had it on the edge of a gear when you got into gas it would pop out of gear and the motor would race up well the way these gears are cut it sucks it into gear and there's really virtually no chance of missing a gear right jeff bodine some of the other drivers are also using that transmission that uses the british hewlin gear sets uh, in a ford gearbox and uh Bodine had that transmission to Riverside and was very happy with it. Harold Kinder has given the field the indication they restart next time by. One lap to go, and they'll go back to green here this afternoon. So it looks like everything's going to be all right. Just to, This place is kind of like Pocono, in a sense, in the rain shower. I guess there's a lot of beautiful mountains around here, and the rain showers just drift in and out. And this one, fortunately, lasted only just a minute or so as a sprinkle came by. Let's say we get a word with Terry Labonte behind the wheel of the Piedmont Airlines AW Trucking Oldsmobile. Labonte has our in-car radio today. Terry, what did you see about what you expected to on the first three laps of this race? Well, I guess so. Everybody just kind of got in line and trying to sort things out. You know, uh, it's kind of tough to figure out where exactly you need to pass somebody. I think that's what everybody's doing now, just trying to get everything figured out a little bit. About how many laps do you want to run in the car under green before you really feel comfortable with how the car is going to work and where you might be able to pass? I think the course is awful tough on brakes, uh, so I'd be happy just to run right here until halfway or so, and, and then, then if you're in a good position to make a run for it. Good luck, Terry. We'll be talking to you later on in the day. Terry Labonte and the Piedmont Airlines Oldsmobile. We also have Rusty Wallace wired for sound. He's in the Alugard Pontiac. We'll be talking with Rusty later on later on in the race. It looks like uh, they'll be getting the green this time by. The lights are out atop the safety car, and we'll try to hook in and get word with Rusty Wallace before we get started. The fans have really turned out here this week. As we said, they had one of the largest crowds in the history of the Speedway just for qualifying here on Friday, and I don't think there's too many inches of space left around this course if the fans aren't jammed up against the fences to watch their favorite drivers here this afternoon. It's been a good race so far, very clean race, and a lot of folks thought there might be a lot of cars in the fences in different parts of this course the first couple of laps, but so far, as Darrell and Earnhardt and some of the other drivers told us, perhaps being a little bit apprehensive and a little more cautious than normal has kept that situation from happening. But once they get comfortable out there, they're going to start getting at it just like they usually do. Well, one fellow who got with it very early on in the program is Rusty Wallace. Let's see if we can get a word with him. Rusty, this is Motor Racing Network. Can you copy us? I got you. Go ahead. Well, you jumped out there to a, to a quick start and went right to the front, even from the second row. Was it kind of a squeeze play down in that first corner? Yeah, sure was. A little metal contact, but... Uh I tell you, now the guard Blue Max Bonnie gets running super. If we can keep this pace up all day long, I think we might pull this thing off like we did Bristol. Well, we'll speak with you later on. Looks like you folks are about to get the green flag. Good luck. 
Pace car will bring them into turn number 10, and they'll cut them loose this time by Harold Kinder has the green flag in hand. Darrell Waltrip is the leader. Rusty Wallace rides in the number two position, and Waltrip has led every lap of this thing so far. As they come down, and the pace car gets on pit road, Harold waves the green, and we'll go back to racing single file. Neil Bonnet will make a move to take over fourth position from Harry Gant as he races him down toward turn one. We're going to see some other racing back in the pack. Bill Elliott's moved up about eight or nine spots, it looks like, also since that restart. Let's head to turn one and two. Field works their way now through turn one and heading towards that right-hand sweeper that begins the S's. Uphill they come towards turns two, three, and four. Waltrip and Rusty Wallace picking up where they left off. Ricky Rudd is still there, however, tightly in third. Theo Bonnet is fourth. Tim Richmond fifth. Harry Gant goes sixth. Al Unser is seventh. Everybody cleanly through the S's. They climb up this 3,000-foot back straightaway. Again, smoke from beneath the Rusty Wallace car, but Wallace not slowing down as he is now two car lengths back of Waltrip in second. Rudd, four car lengths back in third, and five car lengths back to Bonnet in fourth. Darrell Waltrip heading downhill in turn five, coming off the loop now as Rusty Wallace closes into within a car length. They hit the short shoot with Ricky Rudd still running third. Four car lengths back is still running. Walter trying to pull away from Wallace now as they head over the tunnel and into that right-hand turn 10. Here they are, and it's Walter pleading Wallace, and they're pulling away from Rudd. Trying to get away and get with the program. Rusty Wallace and Waltrip. Waltrip concerned, trying to stay out ahead of the pack and out and away from trouble. Thus far, though, there hasn't been any. It's Chevrolet, Pontiac, Ford, and Chevrolet as Bonnet kicks up the dust coming off turn 11 to the start-finish line. Then it's Tim Richmond, Al Unser, Harry Gant, Jeff Bodine, Richard Petty, Dale Earnhardt, and Bobby Allison ahead of Benny Parsons as they go down through turn number one, the 90-degree right-hand corner, and head for two. All the way out to the speed bumps they go. There's a tendency to go a bit too hard in the turn number one, but they've seen it gotten through it nice and cleanly this time. We've also seen the cars tighten up nicely through the S's where they were really all over the racetrack yesterday. It's just about a full second. Walsh and Rusty Wallace away from Ricky Rudd. Everybody still single file through the S's heading to the back stretch. And Rusty Wallace will make a move to the inside here in turn five. Walter will shut the door on him. Wallace again showing a lot of smoke now as he breaks and wiggles the car going down the hill. Wallace has to fall back into the second spot coming down the hill to the short shoot. About a car length off the rear deck. He slips a little bit coming off turn five. They both come off the turn hard and they're putting a lot of distance on Ricky Rudd who seems to be falling back just a bit as he comes over the tunnel. Walter comes in hard, breaks, downshifts, and he's into 11 with Wallace on his bumper. Rusty Wallace is really putting the heat on Darrell Waltrip. He's tried to find any place on this course to get a fender alongside to take the lead away and do some door-to-door -door racing with him. Thus far, he hasn't been able to do it. As they work back into the straightaway and head by pit road and down into the corner, they have opened up a gap of about a second and a half back to Ricky Rudd and Neil Bonnet. Tim Richmond is the fifth place car. Unser rides sixth. Bodine is seventh, Harry Gant is eighth. They're back to turn one. Field works that way through the corner. Back in the eighth spot, as Barney mentioned, was the Jeff Bodine, Al Unser, Harry Gant combination. Richard Petty is ninth, Dale Earnhardt tenth. Eleventh is Bobby Allison, Benny Parsons goes twelfth. Terry Labonte runs thirteenth, single file still. Joe Rutman is fourteenth, fifteenth is Kyle Petty. And here's Wallace, off turn number four. He'll swing to the outside of Darrell Waltrip, trying to make a bit of a back stretch. Wallace trying to flex the muscle in the Allugard Pontiac, but Waltrip has the heart in the Budweiser Chevy. He holds him off now, two car lengths, and in turn one, they're pulling away from Rudd, who now gets a challenge from Neil Bonnet down in turn five. Hard to go too wide coming through this turn five, but they're going to try to do it. That is Neil Bonnet trying to get underneath Ricky Rudd. Rudd goes wide coming off the corner, but there's Tim Richmond trying to get up underneath Bonnet. 
Richmond coming down the inside now. He's trying to get position on the cars just ahead of him. Comes up behind Rudd, gets around Bonnet, and Richmond has picked off the fourth spot going into turn 10. Are they flying around here? Last time, the end of the back straightaway. Darrell Waltrip, 158 and a half miles per hour. The radar speed at the end of that three-quarter mile back straightaway. The leader is Waltrip. Rusty Wallace is all over, hounding his back bumper. For third, Tim Richmond dives to the inside of Ricky Rudd, and Neil Bonnet is right there with him. Richmond will get the position, move up to third. Rudd is fourth. Neil Bonnet is fifth. Out here, a lot of... Back at Watkins Glen International would be an unscheduled pit stop for Harry Gant. Let's go to Ned. He brought the skull band to Chevrolet in. Travis, what was wrong? I don't know if that thing may be too full of oil or something. It looked like it was blowing out the breathers. For what reason, I don't know. Okay, there was smoke coming from it. That was Travis Carter, the crew chief on Gant's car. They have it serviced. He's back out. He stayed in the lead limp. 13 of 90 laps complete here in the Budweiser at the Glen as Ricky Rudd and Jeff Bodine battle for position in turn one. And it is Bodine has moved by on the inside of Ricky Rudd as they enter turn number one. That's the battle for fifth spot on back. Right now, Bodine shows the way over Ricky Rudd. Those two cars work through the right-hand turn, then the left hand, then the right-hand sweeper, completing the S's, turns two, three, and four. Allen now heading towards the back straightaway. The front two cars have three and a half seconds on the Bodine and Rudd battle, which is now quickly chasing down Neil Bonnet ahead of him. Front two cars moving by with the battle is back in the pack as Jeff Bodine now trying to make a move on Neil Bonnet. Bodine has the inside line in turn five as Bonnet rides high. And Bonnet brings him down the stretch, or at least down the uh, hill in turn five, hitting the stretch. He gets around Bodine. Right behind him is Ricky Rudd. They're followed by Alex Rutinger. Bonnet leads them down there as those fourth, fifth, and sixth place cars try to chase down your leaders. Neil Bonnet has a good position on Jeff Bodine as they make the left turn into turn 10 now, and Bonnet will hold position. It's hard to decide for these fans here to, to which race to watch. There's a good one for the battle for the lead as it works out of turn 11 and back into the straightaway between Waltrip and Rusty Wallace. And from about third spot on back, it's been a good scramble all afternoon. Richmond currently holds on to the third position, still riding fourth now is Bonnet, dropping back to fifth position. Jeff Bodine as they head for turn two. And as the field works into the corner, the front two should have pulled away comfortably now over Tim Richmond. And as a matter of fact, Darrell Waltrip coming off that 90-degree turn, turn number one, manages to pick about a half car length ahead of Rusty Wallace. Wallace consistently, consistently smoking the tires as he comes through the S's. He and Waltrip go by, as does Tim Richmond. Those cars still have two seconds on Neil Bonnet and Jeff Bodine. Those two cars have broken away cleanly from Ricky Rudd. And again, Rusty Wallace showing smoke when he breaks the car down here in turn five. The rear of the car now hopping and skiffing. Wallace fighting the wheel, trying to keep the car on the inside of the track. He's two car lengths back from Walter. And last time by, Wallace had problems coming off turn five. The car got sideways once again, just about sideways, but he straightened the belt. He looks good and also looks to the inside of Waltrip as they come down over the tunnel just before the left-hand turn into turn 10. Waltrip continues to lead Wallace by a car length, and it's about 10 or 15 car lengths back to Tim Richmond. Rusty and Tim Richmond drive a lot alike. They like to hustle a car around the racetrack. And Wallace is one of those fellows who's probably happiest when the car is tail hung out pretty much sideways and either in the lead or right on the trail of the leader. Waltrip and Wallace lead Tim Richmond by about two and a half seconds. And from the leader back to Neil Bonnet and Jeff Bodine is about 4.6 seconds. That's the fourth and fifth place battle. 
Ricky Rudd is six as they complete 15 laps and head up for turn two. The leaders will be coming upon the James Hilton machine. Hilton will give all the room that's necessary. Everybody is staying on the race course. The blue guardrail here in the S's has yet to have a visitor as Walton and Wallace go past Hilton, who goes all the way to the outside of the racetrack to give the leaders all the room they need. Dale Earnhardt really cutting the corners tightly. He's closing in on both Al Unser and Richard Petty. They're battling back at eighth position. And the battle back for fourth spot is Bodine, and Bodine almost moved to the inside a minute ago to try to get around the Hilton car, which is now slowing right in front of Bodine. We have a car him. spinning in turn number two, blocking the track, but then kicking off to the inside of the racetrack is Rick Wilson. Wilson spun it, and a good piece of driving by Kenny Schrader to avoid, but Wilson still shows some smoke from behind the Kodak Oldsmobile as he pulls away. The leader's now going into turn 11. Waltrip still on top. Waltrip coming up for the right-hand turn 11 that leads underneath the Winston Cup Bridge and back to the start-finish line. We will stay under green as Rick Wilson is back under control, but Waltrip and Wallace have now opened up about two and a half seconds on Richmond, and they're stretching the margin. Jeff Bodine has broken free from Neil Bonnet and Ricky Rudd. Then it's Al Unser, Richard Petty, and Dale Earnhardt. Back behind Earnhardt, Benny Parsons laps by James Hilton. Then it's Bobby Allison, Terry Labonte, Joe Rutman, and Bill Elliott. Kyle Petty, the next car in line, the Wood Brothers car, Phil Parsons, and the Nationwise Auto Parts car, that's Morgan Shepard behind the wheel. Leaders are up in the S's. And as they come through the S's, the front two cars, Walchip and Wallace, got caught behind Chet Phillips. It's allowed Tim Richmond to almost cut in half the deficit he has to the race leaders. And Rusty Wallace can see Richmond in his rearview mirror. And Wallace dies beneath Waltrip in turn five. Wallace, the new leader, slides up in front of Waltrip. Waltrip on the binders, trying to keep from tagging him. They're down in turn five. Rusty Wallace, the new leader, but a lot of smoke pouring out of the back of the Allugard machine as they hit for the short shoot. Wallace pulling it down the short chute, and he's got Waltrip about two car lengths behind him as they head for the left-hand turn 10, and Wallace will hang on to that lead as he gets in low and holds Waltrip behind him, but Tim Richmond has caught those two lead cars. There are three cars battling for the lead right now. Rusty Wallace trying to open up a little daylight. He has been very aggressive since the opening gun here this afternoon, and now we see the smoke or fluid or whatever or a combination of all that has been coming out of that car get a little worse, particularly in the corners. Here's a battle for second spot as diving down to the inside, Tim Richmond will try to take it away down toward turn two. And he has that number two spot as he cleanly moves by the Budweiser Chevrolet. So Waltrip now rides into show position with Jeff Woodine closing in. Meanwhile, Harry Gant beginning to show smoke again from behind the Skull Bandit car, number 33, as he pulls through the S's. He is, as you remember, after that pitch stop, not all that far in front of the race leaders right now, near the tail end of the lead lap. But it's Rusty Wallace pulling away. He's got a full second on Tim Richmond, who has four car lanes on Waltrip. We'll keep an eye on Rusty Wallace. The smoke from the car had been coming out only in the apex of turn five, but this time as he slows down, he's going in very gingerly in turn five around the car number 67 of Buddy Arrington. We see very minimal smoke. Wallace handles it coming down the hill. The smoke pouring out as he comes off the corner. Seems just about the time he gets on the throttle, the smoke really begins to pour out. Now Let's go to pit road. The rest the Rick Wilson car is on pit road. The Kodak Osmobile Mike, to have the hood up. They have had the carburetor cleaner off. There's oil coming from somewhere. They think they've got to stop. They're about to send him back out now. Tell you, Buddy Baker made a very wise decision by putting Al Unser in his car here this weekend. Baker, not afraid to admit that he just does not get around road courses all that well. He worked out a deal to put Unser in the car, and he's been hanging right up in there in the top five, six, or seven all afternoon and doing a good job with the car. And that's really a credit to him because we talked with him here yesterday, and he said it had been a long time since he'd been in a stock car, and he's well aware of how tough it'll be to hang in there all day. Well, thank you. It's a good car, and 
It's a good team. It's the only trouble is I have to sort myself out with the, you know, trying to get the car to work for me, and and it's hard doing it like this, uh, you know, in a one one shot deal because I haven't driven a stock car for probably 15 years, so it it makes it rough. But. I believe the last time Al Unser drove a Wista Cup car was 1970. He relieved, he drove in place of Cale Yarborough for the Wood Brothers out of Riverside. They're going to bring Rusty Wallace down pit row to uh, see if they can put a catch can on what they feel is an over full transmission. Uh, I think NASCAR talked to him a little bit and they decided to go ahead and do that before they got in trouble with it. They had a little further up pit road. Uh, let's check in with Tony Glover, the crew chief on the Kodak machine. Tony, what was the problem? A screw backed out in the carburetor that works the secondary linkage, and it got the throttle hung half wide open. And uh, you know you can't drive a road course if you can't work the throttle. But I think we got it cured now, and we'll be all right. Okay, that was the reason then for Rick Wilson spin a little earlier. We'll be right back to Watkins Glen International. We're back at the Budweiser at the Glen, and one of the top contenders to win this thing this afternoon has pulled off the course and maybe through for the day. Harry Gann is over near Eli Gold. He's just pulled off the course in turn number three in an area where there's a break in the guide rail in front of the Glen Club. The car was smoking heavily. He is being attended to just to see what the problem is from some of the SCCA course workers who are now pushing the car totally behind the guide rail. Harry Gant parking it here in turn three. Travis, if you talk to him on the radio, what's the problem? He guess it blew up. It, I guess the motor blew or the transmission or something come out of it. Evidently, it was a motor problem. Okay, so they're packing up here in the cold bandit. 22 laps complete. Tim Richmond is the new race leader. This race will go 90 laps, 219 miles. Jeff Bodine's the second-place car. Waltrip is third. Bonnet holding tough in fourth. Fifth is Ricky Rudd. Sixth, Al Unser. Seventh, Richard Petty. Eighth is Dale Earnhardt. Benny Parsons is ninth. Chet Phillip. The rookie driver running along in the 10th position, having a good ride here. Back in 11th is Bobby Allison, and 12th is Terry Labonte, 13th is Bill Elliott, and 14th is Joe Rutman, 15th is Kyle Petty, Phil Parsons is 16th, Morgan Shepard, Bobby Hillen, George Fulmer, the veteran Trans Am and road race drivers. In the 20th spot, uh, Kelly Girl Champion in the International Motorsports Association Series, Tommy Riggins rides back in 20th, Mike Waltrip is 21st, Poncho Carter is 22nd, Ken Schrader is in the 23rd spot, and that's at 20 laps complete. We've now completed 22. Field works around the course here at Watkins Glen this afternoon. Waltrip will be probably the cagiest driver in the field because he yesterday had a long talk with Junior Johnson, and I asked Junior in the pits if you, you ran here years ago, did he have any particular advice for Darrell? And he said the only thing I can tell him is save the car, save the brakes. Just kind of float the car off in the corner. And I kind of wondered what he was talking about in that. And, Ned, perhaps you or Dick could elaborate a little bit more on that. I guess it's actually letting the car break itself rather than really pushing on the brake pedal. Well, if you go into one of those turns, Barney, and really stand on the brakes, the pavement is a little rough going into some of the turns. And if you get the back wheels to hop and you're out of control, then that's exactly what happened to Bill Elliott when he was qualifying here on Friday. He went in a little bit too hard, grabbed the brakes on, and the back end started jumping up and down with him, and it went into the rail with him. And that's what he was talking about. Don't let it start doing that. Well, Mike, one of the toughest corners that we've been watching is right here in front of us coming out of turn number 11 and back into the straightaway. Those cars are really hung out. And you talk about dirt tracking. They literally go out in the dirt. The rear end kicks out and misses that guardrail by inches. But somehow they manage to save it and go right on down the straightaway. Well, there are only three straightaways here, Barney, of any sufficient length. And this pit straight uh, is just about equal to the backstretch in length. But you really need a good exit because it's a slow corner, that 90-degree corner coming off here. So the drivers go out and way over the caution line. There's Tim Richmond doing it now over the white line into the dirt. Waltrip gets out there too. 
Side by side, they battle for the lead, going around the DK Ulrich Automobile as they head down into turn one. And we have a new leader in the form of Jeff Bodine as he moves the Levi Garrett car to the inside of the Folgers car, and Bodine leads as they enter the S's. Except Bodine now having to try and hang on to that groove. Tim Richmond thinks he may have an opening to the inside, but Bodine quickly wrestles the car right and then left through the S's. He cleanly has the lead, and you should see some of these New York fans just beginning to wave wildly as the Levi Garrett Chevrolet goes by. They shift further now up in the fourth, and then they head down the back straightaway. Still, Tim Richmond hounding away on Bodine. And the rooftops of these campers are taking a beating down here as they're waving the yellow and white souvenirs of the Levi Garrett colors. Bodine, the leader in the Chamon contingent, are happy here in turn five. Bodine brings him down the hill in turn five off the corner now as Richmond tries to close the gap, but Bodine is actually pulling away from them as they hit the short shoot. The Hendricks Motorsport team cars are up front, and the one that will join them next year sits in third, but he's a good distance back now. Bodine about a car length ahead of Tim Richmond as they turn left into turn 10 and head that short shoot to 11. There's a problem with Joe Rutman's Quaker State Buick. A lot of smoke from behind it coming off turn four, heading down the back straightaway. Rutman is out of everybody's way but off the pace. Dave Marcus almost loses it coming out of turn 11, out in the dirt there. Bodine made a neat move to get the lead a lap ago. As they came off turn 11, Richmond took the high side around the California uh, Porsche driver, the Campbell GT driver, Rick Noop, who's in the DK Ulrich car. Bodine went all the way to the inside of the racetrack at start-finish. They dueled down the front straightaway side-by-side, side, and Bodine outbraked Richmond going into one. So Jeff Bodine here at 24 laps is the race leader. Tim Richmond rides in the second spot. Darrell Waltrip is third. We're under caution for the second time today, an incident down in turn one in front of Gary Montgomery. Well, Al Unser in the Crisco Oldsmobile treading gingerly through turn number one, but something apparently happened. Perhaps he lost the brakes completely. He did a nice little spin right in front of Dale Earnhardt, and Earnhardt taking great evasive action, went off the road course, off the course, we should say, and did not make contact, but boy, were they close, about a two-inch separation, I would say. Unser then fired the car up and drove away under his own power. No contact, and it was a great bit of driving on the part of Dale Earnhardt as he made the evasive move on the outside. Going to be some work also, fellas, for Barry Dotson and the crew on the Allegard Pontiac. It looks as though Rusty might have cut down a tire. He just looped it in turn number three, stayed out of the guardrail, and is now pulled away, but the left rear of the car is shaking as though he might have a left rear that has gone down. Let's go to the pits and Dick Brooks. Well, first, Joe, Joe Ruffman was in, and they're working on a clutch. They don't have any clutch in the car, and that's the reason he, he was having trouble over there. He can't shift it. Uh, Dale Earnhardt came in. They didn't do anything except just a regular routine stop with him, so evidently there was no contact. Uh, Al Unser Sr. came in with his car, and uh, with the Crisco car, and they didn't have any problems with his. It is a regular routine stop with it, so they... So the problem they had down in turn one, I don't think they, they, it created any problems for them other than just a, a little bit of embarrassment. These will be routine pit stops, and it is the first round of regular pit stops that we have seen this afternoon. We've seen a few unscheduled ones. This will be the second caution flag. It comes out on lap number 26, again, when Al Unser Sr. and Dale Earnhardt spun going into turn number one. Not any contact between the two cars, and apparently they'll both continue. Was interested in the comments uh, this morning. One of the drivers who regularly competes on the road race uh, circuits talking to his pit crew saying, now, these guys, if the caution comes out, they pit every caution. They just don't stop once during the race. So I don't want you guys running off to the concession stand or out in the infield. He says, I want you ready for action when we need you. And so pit activity has been busy. Let's check in with Ned. Everybody has taken on four tires, Mike Joy, at least those that are running up towards uh, the front of the pack. Here comes the Allugard Pontiac of Rusty Wallace in, and he does have a flat left rear tire on the Allugard Pontiac, so he'll get that service during a caution period and be able to catch back up to the field. But everybody taking on four tires, making a few chassis adjustments, and sending them back on their way. Here's the way they were running at 25 laps. Hometown Shimon, New York native Jeff Bodine had taken the lead in his Levi Garrett Chevrolet. 
His Hendrick Motorsports teammate, Tim Richmond, was running second. Darrell Waltrip, the outside pole sitter, was third. Neil Bonnet was fourth. Ricky Rudd was fifth. Sixth was Al Unser. Seventh, Richard Petty. Eighth was Dale Earnhardt. And ninth, Benny Parsons. Bobby Allison was in tenth. Eleventh was Bill Elliott. Twelfth was Terry Labonte. Thirteenth was Kyle Petty. Fourteenth to Morgan Shepard. Fifteenth to Phil Parsons. Sixteenth to George Fulmer. Seventeenth to Bobby Hill. And eighteenth to Mike Waltrip. Back in the 19th spot, they're posting Tommy Riggins. In 20th, Poncho Carter. 21st was Ken Schrader. 22nd was Rusty Wallace. And 23rd, Dave Marcus. A lap off the pace. Jimmy Means, J.D. McDuffie, Chet Phillip, Buddy Arrington were one lap behind, along with Tom Rotzel, the Corning, New York driver. And two laps down were James Hilton and Rick Wilson after his pit stops. So we're under the second caution of the day, and we'll remind you that next Sunday, the Winston Cup Series returns to the Irish Hills of Michigan. It's the champion spark plug 400 on the newly repaved Michigan International Speedway. MRN airtime will be at 12.15 Eastern Daylight Time next Sunday. We'll bring you all the action. If you're going out to the Speedway, Bush Bowl qualifying will be on Saturday morning. In two weeks, we'll be at Bristol International Raceway in Tennessee to host the Bush 500 under the lights on the high-banked half-mile speedway in eastern Tennessee. Friday night, it's the NASCAR Bush Grand National Series in the Pontiac 200, along with Bush Pole qualifying. We'll be on the air Saturday night. That's two weeks from this weekend, August 23rd at 7.15 Eastern Daylight Time. Well, we're working caution, second one of the afternoon. It looks like it's going to be at least another lap or so before we go back to green. It'll give us a moment to talk with Mr. Bruce R. Wilson, the Marketing Communications Director for the Eastman Kodak Company. And you folks have to be delighted with, with your progress this year that you've made. You sponsored a race car for the first time, and the involvement with NASCAR has been a good one for you. It's been excellent, and uh, we finally feel we've got a team that can uh, go all the way. They start, uh, they finish what they start. Are you fo are your folks in your company like they have been in most companies that as get associated, like Piedmont Airlines or somebody, the Crisco folks that sponsor a car? It kind of spreads all through the company. The employees really get behind the car, and it just seems to pull everybody together. That's correct. We have a very active uh, NASCAR club at Kodak. I think it has about 800 members. Uh, and we get a lot of enthusiasm. People come into my office after the race, and uh, they've always seen, to, seen it or uh, listened to you guys the day before. I know you folks, uh, the Kodak Race Club fans, have been all over the Northeast, and for, gosh, I know at least a dozen years at the Speedways, and I guess there's been a lot of internal, uh, I won't say pressure, but let's say encouragement for you folks to get involved in NASCAR stock car racing. I know it's gone back many years. Absolutely. Uh, one of our vice presidents, uh, uh, said to my boss, uh, gee, I see all these races on television and listen to them. Uh, why aren't we involved? And uh, we started looking right about then. I think one of the best things you folks have done here for the fans here at Watkins Glen International is uh, to host the Kodak uh, photo circle here with the various drivers and teams come out. Folks can get pictures with the drivers that normally are back in the garage area that the race fans can't get access to. Well, this is a, a great photo opportunity sport, more so than uh, most of the ball sports, for that matter, where you can't get that close to them. Uh, here, you can get right up next to the track. Uh, the cars make themselves available. Uh, so we've, we think we can uh, get a lot of photography at the races, and, of course, that's our business. Well, I know, too, you've got a lot of first-time race fans here today, so I know the souvenir stands are pretty busy pushing out that Kodak film. And they'll be back next year. Glad to have you with us. Thank you. Barney's been talking to, uh, standing in, in uh, uh, Buddy Becker's pit crew here. I guess I don't. I don't know how to say this. this is a whole new thing for you. He's standing here as a as a car owner, a team manager, or whatever. Uh, what happened to him? Well, I don't know. They said he's the one that spun, but I tell you, he's pretty slick. He caused his own caution and got in here and was in the same spot he was in when uh, he's on the racetrack. So we're real pleased with him. He's doing a great job, and he says the car needs a few adjustments. We'll be working on it during the race, and I'm sure he'll be right up there at the end. He's real smooth. I was talking about Alan Sr. He's, uh, he's done a lot of this anyway. How, do, how does it feel standing here instead of out there? 
Well, I love it for this particular event because we felt we, we got the best race driver for the particular racetrack, and uh, Al's doing a great job for us. He seems to be adapting to the heavier car, and he, even with the spin, he's in 10th spot right now, and he was up to, I guess, 5th uh, or 6th. So we're real pleased with him, and we just hope he's the best in the race. He's doing a great job for us. Well, but he's a heck of a race driver, and he looks like a pretty good pitman, too. Alan Sir Sr. was leading the International Race of Champions event yesterday when he spun off the course at turn number 11. His son, Al Jr., won the IROC race and the series title, had a fierce battle with Bill Elliott all the way to the checkered flag. Elliott wound up second. Down in the Alugard pits, Barry Dodson and the crew are having a busy time of it, trying to get Rusty Wallace's car back together. Uh, let's check in down at pit road. Yeah, well, they're putting on, uh, uh, they're still working on the oil leak. And they seem to think that they found it all right. They're just trying to figure some way to catch it. They're not trying to stop the leak as much as trying to find a way to, to catch the oil. They're taking uh, gallon cans or gallon plastic jugs, and they're tying them to it and running an oil line into it. So uh, they seem to think that they can get it stopped from leaking to where, uh, where NASCAR let them go ahead and run the thing. I'll tell you the thing with Baker. He asked uh, Hunter, he said, you know, uh, it was good we got a caution. And Hunter says, I mean, we got a caution. I was the caution. <laughs> I didn't even know he had spun. <laughs> Mike, was, go ahead. I'm down. Uh, they pushed the Quaker State Buick of Joe Rutman back behind the wall. Joe, what is the problem? <clears throat> well, Ned, uh, we seem to have a problem with the clutch. Exactly what the problem is, we really don't know right now. That or it's the uh, input shaft on the transmission, one of the two, but it appears to be the, uh, the uh, clutch. There's something, uh, you know, it's uh, either they shared off the plates inside. Uh, it's an in-gear Okay, they're, they're asking Joe to get her cranked up and see if they can get the thing uh, to go, and they're working under the rear of it right now. Rutman is a good road course driver. He's had great success here and at Riverside, California, and if they can get his machine anywhere near to his liking this afternoon, although he's lost quite a bit of time on pit road, he still has the possibility of a good finish. We'll be back at Watkins Glen in a moment. Back at Watkins Glen International, they've given the field the indication, as we told you, they'll go green next time by. The leader after that round of pit stops will be Darrell Waltrip. Tim Richmond is now posted in the second position. Jeff Bodine is currently showing up in third, and the fourth spot will belong to Neil Bonnet. Just about what we expected here this afternoon. I think so, Barney. One thing that's interesting to note here is there are very few grandstands at Watkins Glen compared to many of these racetracks, and a lot of the NASCAR people were amazed to see how many of the spectators were out walking the course. But this is a common occurrence at, uh, at road race venues. What a lot of the fans will do is they'll take up a, a vantage position outside the course, and if the course runs as this does clockwise, they'll walk counterclockwise and get a chance to see how the cars are working in every corner. Take about an hour and a half to walk all the way around here, but it provides a lot of good photo opportunities and a lot of good vantage points all the way around the race course. One thing they do here that is an excellent idea and I, I wish would spread is that all of the campers and vehicles uh, are required to park at least six feet back from the fence. And this allows plenty of spectator area for the people that want to walk around and get close enough up to the fence and see the race cars. At many of the tracks, the campers pull up right to the fence, and it denies a lot of the folks in the infield uh, or outside of the course at, say, at Riverside, a good view. Here it's a very good policy, and I hope it's one that extends around the circuit. Well, they've picked up some good pointers here this weekend and a lot of things coming to this road course. As we told you when we first came on the air, the drivers are highly impressed with Watkins Glen, and we've seen some good racing, and we've got an awful lot to go here this afternoon. Harold Kinder puts the green in hand. He's getting ready to cut them loose as they'll get back to racing again. A, the leader again will be Darrell Waltrip. Tim Richmond rides second. They had quite a battle up there for that lead a moment ago. We're under green, single file. They swing by pit road, head back into turn number one. Neil Bonnet still in there in that fourth spot. And some of the cars that we haven't heard from this afternoon, like Terry Labonte and some of the other strong runners, are going to be heading toward the front. They're down in turn two. 
And it is. Richmond showing the way. Waltrip behind him. Bodine is third. Bonnet fourth. Rudd is fifth. Sixth belongs to Richard Petty. Dale Earnhardt is seventh. Benny Parsons now in the eighth spot. Ninth belongs to Bobby Allison. And right behind him in tenth position, the Al Unser car. Single file as they swing all the way out to the outside retaining wall. Then back to the inside through the S's and straighten it off. A turn number four for the backstretch. Still the leader single file. Three cars break away. Richmond shows the way. Now Bodine makes a move on the inside of Waltrip in turn five. Jeff Bodine will take second spot from Waltrip as Waltrip rides high down the hill. Once again, tough maneuvering in turn five, trying to make it side by side, but that's about what is happening. Now, though, Bodine squeezes off. He takes the second spot. Waltrip is third. Fourth is Neil Bonnet. Richmond running away from Jeff Bodine right now. He's really flying down the hill, and that's what it is. Downhill on the short straight into that left-hand turn, 10. Bodine second. Third is Waltrip. Fourth is Bonnet, and fifth is Rudd. Tim Richmond said in this morning's paper, if someone wanted to be a rabbit and jump out front and run away, he would not try to follow. Well, didn't take his own advice. He is the rabbit. He has a six-car length lead on Bodine. Waltrip is third. Bonnet is fourth. Fifth is Rudd. Sixth, Richard Petty. Seventh is Earnhardt. Eighth, Parsons. That's Benny. Ninth, Bobby Allison. Tenth, Al Unser. Eleventh is Terry Labonte as they head up the hill toward two. And as the field works their way through in the number one corner, that right-hand turn. Twelfth belongs to Bill Elliott. Thirteenth is Kyle Petty. Morgan Shepard in the Nationwide Sky is in line, followed by Phil Parsons. Up the hill, a big, steep incline it is for Tim Richmond showing the way, but here comes Bodine. Jeffrey closes to within a car length, now a half car length, and they straighten it out for that 165 mile an hour backstretch. These New York fans waving Jeff Bodine to move up on Tim Richmond, but Richmond now holds him off by two car lengths in turn five. It's Richmond the leader. Bodine runs second, three car lengths back to Waltrip. Richmond Herb, uh, hugs the curbing, coming through turn five, sweeps it wide, coming off the corner for the short shoot with Bodine about a car length behind him. Bodine closes right up on Richmond's bumper. They're leaving Waltrip in their dust, so to speak. And well back behind Waltrip is the fourth place car of Neil Bonnet. Ricky Rudd is closing in on him. Richmond, still your leader. You don't see the 15 and 20 car drafts in road racing, but you see a lot of finesse and driver ability. And that is the beauty of road racing. The driver makes a decision and he pays for it. He goes off the course, he loses a spot, whereas on a super speedway, he might get out of the draft and get kicked back. But the ability to get a race car around here is probably a little tougher on a road course than it is on a super speedway, as Tim Richmond told us. Well, you do. You know, the way I look at it, there's more corners here than there is on an oval, and it gives you more chances to attack the corner harder uh, and come off harder, uh, which in turn gives you, you know, uh, more time, better time uh, over maybe another driver around the whole course. So uh, it just depends on a, on a, on a driver's aggression, uh, I think, here. Plus, there's other combinations that go with it. Uh, I would say maybe like, you know, being smooth. Now, smooth can slow you down, too, if you think about it too much. Uh, and a wild man can, can slow yourself down by being too wild. But I think a wild man might have it over a, uh, a smooth driver. Well, if that's the case, Richmond's got a lock at it. Let's pick him up on the course. Tim Richmond still leads Bodine, but he's just inches, and he peeks to the outside, coming off turn five with Waltrip, closing in on Bodine. Waltrip is right on Bodine's rear deck lid right now as they come whistling down that straight short shoot into turn 10. Right now, Richmond has about a half a car length on Bodine, another half car length back to Waltrip. It's just a squirt on the throttle to get up to turn number 11, this 90-degree right-hand corner where they come off high and hard and kick a little dirt. Bodine gets underneath Richmond in the middle of the corner, but he gets a little squirrely trying to come out of that car tight and down to the inside. Waltrip third, Bonnet fourth, Rudd fifth, Petty sixth. They head down to turn one, battle for the lead. And 
Jeff is on the inside, and he has grabbed the lead. The grandstand goes wild as Bodine is back in front. But now as Jeffrey swings to the outside, Tim Richmond stays to the inside groove, trying to make a pass going into the S's. That's not the place to pull it off. He settles back in line. So behind Bodine, Richmond is second, Waltrip third, Bonnet is fourth, Ricky Rudd is fifth, Petty is sixth, Earnhardt is seventh, Benny Parsons is eighth, ninth is Bobby Allison, tenth is Al Usher, Terry Labonte is eleventh, Bill Elliott is twelfth, Kyle Petty thirteenth, followed by Morgan Shepard and Bill Parsons. Tim Richmond have been ever so strong here on this back straightaway, but not now. Bodine now pulls him by seven car lengths as Neil Bonnet challenges Darrell Walter for third spot. And as Bodine stretches it out, the crowds at this end of the speedway starts to cheer as the Levi Garrett Chevrolet leads the way. Bodine leading the way down the shore shoot well ahead of Tim Richmond. Behind them, several cars trying to change position as Bonnet has closed right up on Waltrip's rear bumper and trying to find some room to get inside as they come into that short straight to turn 11. Jeff Bodine has opened up about a half a second on Tim Richmond right now. Darrell Waltrip hangs onto the third spot as they'll string out single file among at least the top seven or eight. And Terry Labonte is slowing down. Coming into turn number 11, we may see him making an appearance on pit road as there is apparently a car, a problem with Terry Labonte's car. He indeed is slowing and will be coming onto the pit road. Let's go back to turn two. Uh, leaders working their way through now, and Jeff Bodine taking advantage of a bit of race traffic has pulled away comfortably. As a matter of fact, Jeff has a full second all of a sudden on Tim Richmond. Richmond has his hands full with Darrell Waltrip. It has been a particularly clean race through the S's, an area where at Riverside, California, drivers are oftentimes off the course. Here with those guardrails staring at you, everybody has been right on the asphalt, not varying at all. And Jeff Bodine really flexing a muscle now on the Levi Garrett Chevrolet. It's been back since May when he picked up his last win on the Winston Cup Tour. He would like to make it his third win of the year. He's showing the way. Tim Richmond and Darrell Waltrip now putting on the show, coming off turn number five. They're about to make a battle, but Neil Bonnet is sneaking up to join that twosome. Also, Ricky Rudd closing in with Richard Petty behind him. Let's check in and see if we can get a word with Terry Labonte. Terry, this is MRN. Do you still have your radio hookup with you? Not at the moment. Terry's climbing out of the race car. Apparently his race is done. The Piedmont Airlines Olds is in the garage area. So tough break for Labonte as we are now at 34, 35 laps completed. Bodine will complete 35 as he brings them off turn number 11. Back to the start-finish line, and he's got a two-second lead on Tim Richmond. Richmond, though, sees his rearview mirror filling up. Waltrip is there. Neil Bonnet is there, too. Richard Petty and... Ricky Rudd trying to close in as they go through that downhill 90-degree right-hand corner and head for the S's. Everybody really hard on the binders this time. One area, turn one, where you really do get on the brakes hard, and they slow down to 75 miles an hour. But here in the S's, back up to 120, 125 miles an hour. It's 1.21 seconds of an advantage for Bodine over Richmond, Waltrip, Neil Bonnet, Ricky Rudd, and Richard Petty tied tightly together. Jeff Bodine, who co-drove in the GTO car last month, with Jack Baldwin here in the Camel Continental. Looks awfully smooth in turn five. Bodine knows the way around this course. He's using the front right now. Bodine picks his way on through, extending the lead, coming off turn number five as Tim Richmond is really beginning to fall back a little ways. Darrell Waltrip's there with him as Neil Bonnet and Ricky Rudd goes in. The real battle right now is Bonnet and Waltrip. Bonnet looks to the inside of Waltrip as they approach turn 11, but doesn't make a move. Waltrip will hold third place. Bonnet's fourth, Ricky Rudd fifth, and Richard Petty currently rides sixth. An attempt to pass by Benny Pysons inside Dale Earnhardt didn't work. Earnhardt holds him off, and right now the fans are watching Richard Petty. He has suddenly been running awfully strong right at the front of the pack. He has a lot of laps on this place here. He didn't run all that much, but he came here a couple of times in the early 60s. He says he likes road racing, particularly if the car's dialed in, and they spend an awful lot of time out there practicing, and apparently it's paid off for them because they've been able to hang up there in the top five or six most of the afternoon. We'll be back at Watkins Glen in a moment. 
Back at Watkins Glen International, we're on the 40th lap, and it will take 90 to make up the distance here this afternoon, so we're five away from the halfway point. Been some good racing. The fans have certainly gotten their nickels worth here this afternoon. Not only the good battles up front for the lead, but also back in 8th, 10th, 15th, wherever you want to look on the course, but probably one of the quickest cars out there right now is Rusty Wallace. He has really been getting around here. He's had a few mechanical problems, but Jerry Punch, he is one of the fastest cars on the course at this particular juncture of the race. He absolutely is, Barney. He just went by, and Morgan Shepard is now moving on the inside side of Kyle Petty. Rusty really is running this course very well, particularly up in turn five, this hard turn downhill to the right. It's about a 30-foot drop. He moves in underneath two and three cars at a time. I expect probably three or four laps to be moving in the top ten. That will move Rusty Wallace up into the 12th position here as we complete 40 laps. The other driver that is well on the move is Richard Petty. Petty has climbed the ladder now up to the sixth position, and as he heads down through turn number one and up toward the S's, Eli, he is all over the back bumper of Ricky Rudd. He and Ricky Rudd have quite a battle going on right now. Jeff Bodine coming past us. He is the race leader, and he has got an advantage of... 3.84 seconds on Tim Richmond. Waltrip and Bonnet go by, and now Ricky Rudd and Richard Petty still separated by just about a car length and a half. Getting off turn number four, heading down the back stretch. Petty draws to within a car length. Here's the battle for fifth spot, the seventh time. Winston Cup champion Richard Petty tries to move the STP Pontiac inside the motorcraft forward of Rudd, but Rudd will hold him off now by a car length and a half in turn five. Rudd maintains that spot as they come downhill into turn number five. Richard Petty falls off the pace, about two car lengths now behind Rudd, but gets straightened back out coming out the chute. Petty will have to close it up quickly as they come down the short chute. Petty seems to fall off a bit coming out of that number five turn and coming down the short chute, but as they come into turn 11 and make that left-hand turn, he's about four car lengths behind Rudd. He's having a good run this afternoon, Richard Petty, as we'll get some of his thoughts in a moment. Meanwhile, Jeff Bodine, the leader, goes past Harold Kinder at the start-finish line. Tim Richmond is now, what moment ago was a local call between the two, is now turned into long distance as Bodine is really putting some separation on the rest of the field. Petty told us that Watkins Glen is a good course, but it's not a forgiving track at all. It's not a forgiving place at all. Again, Riverside is a very forgiving uh, road course and uh, this I guess is more like most of the road courses it's not a forgiving deal you they got asphalt out there for you to run on that's where you're supposed to run and uh, you know like I say it, the corners are so tight you bring the speeds way down uh, and they just you know right hand turn or left hand turn and it's gonna be really hard to pass anybody because you're gonna be so busy just trying to get your car around and he's gonna be trying to make his best groove uh, there's no second groove to, to pass anybody but Richard's doing a good job. He's, finds, he's found some places to do some passing. An unscheduled stop on Benny Parsons. Let's go to Pitt Road. Barney, it was a change of left side tires on the Copenhagen Oldsmobile. They filled it up with the Union gasoline, Unical gasoline while he was in, but uh, Benny would be able to stay in the lead left. Jeff Bodine out in front of the field now by just about six seconds. He has really extended his margin in that Levi Garrett Chevrolet. Rusty Wallace has now climbed up into the 10th spot. He's gone by Bobby Allison. Bodine is the leader, Tim Richmond is second, third is Waltrip, fourth is Bonnet, and Bonnet's doing a tremendous job as he continues to recover from his injuries sustained a few weeks ago. Richard Petty and Ricky Rudd battling for that fifth spot. Dale Earnhardt moves up to seventh in the eighth slot. It is now Al Unser in the Buddy Baker car, ninth is Bill Elliott, and running in tenth, now will be Rusty Wallace. He's cracked the top ten. And Richard Petty is nine seconds, just a little over nine seconds behind the leader. They're in the S's. And as the leaders work through the S's, last time by here, Rusty Wallace really made a gutsy move as he pulled around Bill Elliott and has left him and Bobby Allison by a good second and a half. 
coming through the S's now. It's Rusty Wallace trying to draw to the inside of the eighth place runner, Dale Earnhardt. Inside of Earnhardt goes Wallace, but Dale takes away the running room. So through turn number three, off turn number four, it's still Rusty Wallace trying to take away a piece of eighth place from Dale Earnhardt. That's the battle on the racetrack now on the backstretch. Wallace moves to the inside, but Earnhardt is there. Now Earnhardt goes high, Wallace down low. They're going to battle for eighth. It'll be Rusty Wallace by two car lengths in turn five. Wallace now on the inside, heads for Al Unser Sr. Rusty Wallace trying to reel him in in the car, although the smoke was bothering him earlier today. The smoke problem is gone, and also the car is handling quite a bit better coming off his turn five. Rusty Wallace looking so good. He had a little bobble last time by in turn 10, but he's looking good now. He pulls away from Earnhardt, gets set up, and makes a left-hand turn into 10, and just at the other end of that straightaway Got is spin in turn one. Let's Kenny, go to turn Kenny, one. Kenny Schrader in the Red Baron car spinning in turn one directly in front of the lead car, but Bodine did get by safely. Boy, luck is riding on the side of Jeff Bodine this afternoon. All the bad luck he had at Talladega last week when he thought he had the wreck cleared, and Harry Gantz slid down the racetrack into him as he narrowly avoids Ken Schrader. 44 of 90 laps completed here in the Budweiser at the Glen. We'll pause 10 seconds on Motor Racing Network for station identification. Well, the car that most of the folks here are watching this afternoon, of course, is Jeff Bodine. He would be a hometown favorite to come here to run this course this afternoon. But also, the second car in the field everyone cannot take their eyes off from would have to be Rusty Wallace. He is really slicing through traffic. Wallace has passed Al Unser. That'll move him up to the seventh slot, and soon he'll be up challenging Richard Petty. Here are the halfway standings for those of you that keep up. Jeff Bodine, the race leader. Tim Richmond, second. Neil Bonnet now, the third-place car. He has passed Darrell Waltrip, who sits in fourth. Ricky Rudd driving a good smooth very conservative race at the moment he is fifth in the bud moore car and last night ricky and bud signed a contract they and the motorcraft people will be together again next year it'll be their third year as a team and ricky's fourth year in the bud moore automobile first year he drove it wrangler was the sponsor rudd is fifth sixth is richard petty richard also driving a good smooth race at this juncture seventh is rusty wallace the man who's been climbing the ladder hard and fast eighth is al unser ninth bobby allison tenth is dale earnhardt check that now tenth is kyle petty he's passed earnhardt they battled spiritedly for a couple of laps earnhardt falls to 11th 12th is morgan shepherd 13th is phil parsons Elliott has slipped to 14th. 15th is Hillen. 16th is the old road race veteran George Fulmer. 17th, Tommy Riggins, the Ipsa Kelly Girl champion. 18th, good run today for rookie driver Mike Waltrip. 19th to Benny Parsons after that unscheduled pit stop. 20th is Dave Marcus. And 21st, the IndyCar driver Pancho Carter. And he is just limping onto pit road right now. The car slowed on the course, came out of turn 11, looked like he had lost all power completely and is drifting down on the pit road. We'll get a report on him in just a moment. It's a good race here at Watkins Glen this afternoon and I think when we come back here next year that the drivers and the teams have learned a lot of things that will make it an even better show but the fans have certainly been interested in this one good racing up front for the lead all the way back through the pack again Rusty Wallace will flash by as he continues to pick up at least a half a second a lap on the front runner Earnhardt's been a kind of a something that has surprised me a little bit because he had run so well in practice they'd been all smiles he and Richard Childress they'd found a combination they thought would work gear-wise for them, and Dale can really hustle a race car around a course, but this afternoon he's just not been up, able to get up to the front of the pack. I wonder if that's the case, Marty, if Earnhardt is, is kind of laying back. Certainly that's not his style to drive that way, but knowing how this course could tear up equipment and knowing that there are apt to be several caution flags to bunch the field back up, Earnhardt could be playing a waiting game. Be interesting to get Richard Childress's thoughts on that as Earnhardt runs around in the middle of the field at 10th spot. One driver that really impressed me 
is Mike Waltrip. He qualified on the first day, had a good qualifying run, wound up 15th in Dick Bear's car. That's his best qualifying effort of the season. And I asked him if, if perhaps in qualifying, one of the reasons he was up so far is he didn't have as many bad habits to unlearn. He says, no, that's not the case. I'm more on an even scale with everyone else here. You know, I haven't done any of this, and, and some of them have done an, a good amount of it, but it's not a deal where we go to Darlington and, and Richard Petty and Daryl and them guys have been racing there for 15 years, and it's my first trip out of the box. You know, this is all our first time in, out of the box, and uh, I think qualifying showed that once I learned the racetracks a little bit better and uh, realize where to zig and where to zag, I think I'm going to be in pretty good shape. He's made a good point because his brother Daryl said the same thing yesterday. Daryl said the reason he enjoyed coming here and, and running a place like this is that we're all equal. He says everybody's learning together, and here you just find out if you are a little bit quicker to pick up on something than another driver, then you're going to be a couple of positions ahead of him. That's proved out this afternoon. Let's go back in the field a little bit, showing Ken Schrader in the 22nd spot. One lap down, Chet Phillip, Jimmy Means, Buddy Arrington, and Rick Noop, the Camel GT driver, in the Ulrich car. Two laps back are J.D. McDuffie and Rick Wilson after his spin, an unscheduled pit stop. Three or more laps down, they're showing James Hilton, along with uh, Tom Rotzel, the Corning New York driver. And the 64 car... Uh, of Eddie Beerswell reported back on the course in the 31st position. In the garage area, Terry Labonte with engine trouble. So too Harry Gant and Giacomo Giacomo. Also with clutch problems, Joe Rutman is done for the day. Let's go to pit road. Well, a moment ago we said that Pancho Carter had made an unscheduled stop. Let's see if we can get an update on that. There's something wrong with the brake calibers on the car number 17. Well, that's a story from Ned Jarrett. Apparently there is a brake problem on Poncho's car as he has had a little problem here this afternoon. He is still on pit road and they'll work on the car and hopefully try to get him back in there. Tell you who else has had a good run here this afternoon is Kyle Petty. Kyle is a good road racer. He likes to come to these particular courses here in Riverside, California. Feels like he has as well of a chance to win here as he does even on the oval tracks. And he's been able to stay up in the top ten most of the afternoon. Good run for him here today. And he's done so when you get around Earnhardt, even if he's got problems, you're doing a good job. That's true. And Bobby Allison just worked his way around Kyle's, or was around Kyle, excuse me. He'll move up a notch in the standings tonight. Kyle is currently posted in the tenth spot. He is having a good race here today. The man that abases me coming off turn eleven every time is Al Unser. That of course is Al Sr., the CART PPG IndyCar champion who's driving Buddy Baker's Crisco Olds today. Of all the cars coming off turn 11 under the Winston Cup Bridge and getting a bit out of shape, well, you can read Crisco right across the side of the car, and he's supposed to be heading right toward us. But as far out of shape as that car gets, Unser gets right with the program, tosses it, catches it, gets down that straightaway in a hurry. Uh, he's having a good run, and I know he's giving Baker fits, standing on pit road watching his car being thrown around that way. Down the front straightaway, Darrell Walter was closed right up on the rear bumper of Neil Bonnet. The Junior Johnson cars running in kind of tag team fashion as they go down through turn number two and head toward the S's. They've worked around the Chet Phillips car, and they'll have some other race traffic to negotiate through, although they likely won't catch them this time here in the S's. Neil Bonnet going downhill to start the S's, has about four car lengths of an advantage over Darrell Walter, and it stays that way as they now climb uphill, turns two, three, and four, and begin to attack the back straightaway. Now near the head end of the back stretch, Waltrip can't quite keep up with Bonnet. Now Darrell Waltrip beginning to drop back somewhat. Bonnet pulling now 10 car lengths on Darrell Waltrip as Waltrip slows a slower car. Rick Noop in the corner will be in front of Waltrip going down through turn five. The two Budweiser Chevrolets have been putting on quite a show here the last few laps, but this widening gap is beginning to increase here. It's Waltrip ahead of Bonnet now. Ricky Rudd follows Bonnet. 
Kyle Petty having a good run. We discussed a moment ago is on pit road, getting left side tires from the Wood Brothers as the leaders head toward 10. The leaders are through 10 and down into the straightaway now. The second place car of Richmond trying to work around one of the slower cars and head out into the straightaway. Tim Richmond has really been hustling that car this afternoon, and he might have used it up a little bit earlier than he anticipated that he would because he is falling back a little. Neil Bonnet still hanging in there. He's about three seconds behind Richmond, then Waltrip. Another second or so back. Good run for Ricky Rudd and Richard Petty as they are the top cars here this afternoon up in the front. And Rusty Wallace continues his charge to the front of the pack, and he has picked up another couple of seconds on the leader. He is flying and probably the fastest car on the racetrack right now. Wallace was clocked a bit ago with a radar speed at the end of the long backstretch, 160.4 miles per hour. That's faster than anyone has been here today. A lot of the drivers that came here, George Fulmer, Tommy Riggins, Al Unser, with a lot of road race experience, but not in these heavy cars. Riggins' Kelly Girl car, an IMSA GTO-class Firebird, is about 700 pounds lighter than these Winston Cup machines. And I asked, where on this racetrack does the Winston Cup car work differently than his much lighter Camel GT car? Basically, from when you mash the brake pedal till you get to the corner. <laughs> uh, that's the biggest thing you notice. Although, we're using unusually similar brake points. You just trouble you don't feel like you're stopping it. Trouble in turn five. Rusty Wallace has spun off the course. He has not made contact with anyone. Got it stopped before slamming into the retaining wall. And now he's fired the car up and is moving back on the course. Looks like coming off the back straightaway. He just lost control. Spun around about three times in the grassy area on the outside of turn five. Caution will be coming out for Rusty Wallace spin at turn number five. Now turn five is located at the end of that three-quarter mile back straightaway. And Wallace trying to make up time and catch the leaders may have got into that corner just a little bit too hot. He looped it around, slid up the banking to the top of that 180-degree right-hand turn, and the caution fly came out. Wallace drove away. He'll come around to pit road without further incident, but it brings us under the third caution of the afternoon. Rusty told us just how easy it is to get off this track and get in trouble. Arnie, there's no doubt about that. You know, I was just in practice a little while ago, and I was running up that back straightaway. I noticed coming out of the, the S's up through there, you know, you really get outside it's close to that grass. And, uh, boy, you get a wheel off of that grass, there's no way to tell them where that car is going to end up because you know how slick that stuff is. Well, he found out just a moment ago how slick that stuff is. He is on pit road along with about half the field right now, and they will take advantage of this caution flag to get regular pit service. I want to congratulate the winner of our most recent goodies, Racing Holiday of the Month in the Goodies Race for the Money contest. Diane Munsinger of Brooklyn Park, Minnesota is our most recent winner, and she'll receive two tickets to an upcoming Winston Cup Series race. $300 in spending money and airfare for two provided by Piedmont Airlines from the closest city that they serve to her home. Congratulations, and we could be calling your name next as our most recent or next winner in the Goodies Race for the Money sweepstakes. You can get complete rules on the sweepstakes at Piedmont Airlines City Ticket Office or where you buy Goodies Headache Powders. Third caution of the day, it comes out at lap number 56. 90 laps will make up the race this afternoon for Rusty Wallace, who spins up at the end of the back straightaway. Let's go back up there to Joe Moore. Well, Mike, we've been seeing Rusty really driving his heart out for the last few laps after he had the early race problems, and he really has been dirt tracking it coming off this turn five and I'm sure was doing the same thing going in. Off that back straightaway at top speed. In this particular time, things didn't work out quite as well. Track is a little slicker down here than it has been all day. We've seen several cars doing a little weaving and bobbling coming off the corner. But again, for Rusty Wallace, it was a spin to the high side on the outside of the track, coming off the back straightaway. And again, lucky for him, he never made contact with a wall or any other race cars. And Mike, the previous time by, we had the clocks on Wallace. He had cut 2.1 seconds off the margin between himself and Richard Petty as they came down the back straightaway. Wallace came by us.
He got on the binders and the rear end began to bounce and vibrate. Smoke came from beneath the rear tires and looked like Bill Elliott on qualifying day as he went sailing off in the grass down the hill. And I'm sure he was trying to make up that distance, but you can't do it that way. Well, that sounded remarkably like the spin that Bill Elliott had on his qualifying lap. Elliott came down into the traps at nearly 170 miles an hour five miles an hour faster than anyone else in qualifying. The difference was he didn't make the corner. Trouble in turn number one. Bobby Allison under caution is way off in a grassy area up against the tires and does not make contact. The crowd has come alive here under caution. Allison way off the track about 100 feet off up against the tires actually didn't make contact and is back on the course. Well that's a rare miscue for one of NASCAR's better road racers. Allison in fact back in the early 1970s, had a guest drive with Pete Brock's BRE Dotson racing team in the old Trans, the old SCCA Trans Am series, and he is one of NASCAR's better road racers. So perhaps he had a problem or some sort of difficulty while trying to catch the field down there in Fort Walton. Everybody's been on pit road, and we'll cover those pit stops when we come back. Back at Watkins Glen, looks like they're going to make at least one more lap before we'll go back to green. We said a moment ago that the entire field had been on pit road, and first for an update, these would have just been routine pit stops. Let's go to Ned. Yes, they would have been, Barney. Of course, they would have had a green flag pit stop coming up before too long within the next 10 laps or so so this caution gave them an opportunity to come in and most of them did change all four tires again of course they filled them up with the unical gasoline made any adjustments they might need to make give the driver a cool drink and uh, clean the windshield and send them on their way dick brooks also i know you're noticing on pit road this afternoon you see them probably looking for some things on the car that they wouldn't on an oval track because Problems have popped up here today. Not only they're concerned with tire wear, transmissions, and a dozen other things, and when, when those stops come in, they're taking a little longer time to check some things they normally wouldn't do. Well, they're looking at the things, I think, but uh, they're not really finding too much. I think it's surprisingly little amount of trouble that they've had with the cars. You, generally, on a road course like this, you'll have problems with, uh, with oil leakage or something. I think we talked about that earlier because the vents are on the wrong side of the transmission or the engine and, and what have you. But they're not really finding anything. That time, it was just regular routine stops, and I didn't see anything out of the ordinary for anybody. Uh, Rusty, of course, had a little problem, I think, just catching up. I think it was just, uh, just overdriving. He's, uh, he's definitely got a strong, strong car, but he's using it awful hard. One lap to go. We'll go back under the green flag. You mentioned at the top of our show, Richard Petty is the only driver in this race that ran here when NASCAR was at the Glen in the early 60s. Richard completed 10 laps in the 1964 race before he blew a tire and hit the wall, ending his days. And as he says, racing uh, Grand National cars on this track 20 years ago was much different than it is today. So much difference in the cars. When we used to run up here, we'd bring a short track car and take the springs off the right and put on the left to go run. That was about our extent to road racing. We didn't have all the fancy brakes and the gears and all that kind of stuff. And now these cars are, the majority of them are built for a road course. So they've got most of the weight on the right side instead of the left. And, you know, they're, they're somewhat of a road racing car as far as we're concerned. So uh, it makes a whole new ballgame out of it. But even so, as Petty continued, his concerns about the race today will be the same as they were 20 years ago. Yeah, it's going to be the same situation. I think uh, probably our brake situation here will be probably as critical as anything, even though you can turn transmissions up, blow engines and all that, just like you do anywhere else. But uh, this is a lot tighter racetrack than Riverside. Riverside's more like a, I'd say a super speedway. And this is more like a Martinsville or something, you know, short track. So uh, it's going to be a lot harder on the equipment here than what it is at Riverside because even at Riverside, you run on the court, run off the course. Most of the time, they got a little bit of escaper. Uh, here, uh, you know, there's a couple of places you can get a wheel off, and that's about as far as you can go. 
Thoughts of Richard Petty, who's had a good run here today. Next Sunday, the Winston Cup Tour to Brooklyn, Michigan for the Champion Spark Plug 400. Two weeks from last night, Saturday night under the lights at Bristol, Tennessee for the Bush 500. And in three weeks, MRN will have a NASCAR doubleheader at Darlington Raceway in South Carolina. Bush Pole runs there Thursday, August 28th. Saturday, the Bush Grand National Series in the Gatorade 200. We'll broadcast that on MRN and Sunday, August 31st, the Southern 500 for Labor Day weekend on Motor Racing Network. In September, the Winston Cup Series goes to Richmond, Virginia on the 7th, Dover, Delaware on the 14th, Martinsville, Virginia on the 21st, and North Wilkesboro, North Carolina on September 28th. We'll be going green this time by. We'll set the field for you. Phil Parsons is right behind the pace car. He is either on the tail end of the lead lap or a lap down. They're now posting him a lap down. So the leader will be Jeff Bodine. Riding right behind him is Neil Bonnet. Then it will be the 25 car of Tim Richmond. The fourth position belongs to Darrell Walker. Ricky Rudd should be fifth. Richard Petty would be sixth. Dale Earnhardt seventh. Bobby Allison posted eighth. And Rusty Wallace still hanging on to ninth spot. And Al Unser Sr. should be the 10th place car. Barney, to clarify that, Phil Parsons and Tommy Riggins are right behind the safety car, and they pitted too early when the caution flag came out before the caution car picked up the field, so they are right on the tail end of the lead lap. Riggins and Phil Parsons just ahead of Jeff Bodine. Pace car is coming on to pit road, and they'll go back to green flag as Harold Kinder waves it, and let's see if Rusty Wallace can make that charge. A lot of smoke out of Richard Petty's STP Pontiac as he comes up through that gearbox, but he might have missed a shift coming off the corner. No problem. He comes back up to speed, and the whole field is in the middle of turn two. And as they work their way through, it's Jeff Bodine making a neat move inside of Tommy Riggins, disposing of him and putting him a lap down. Phil Parsons, however, is still at the head of the field. Remember, he is on the tail end of the lead lap. Now Neil Bonnet has worked his way around Riggins' car, and so has Tim Richmond. But Darrell Waltrip and Ricky Rudd cannot, so it allows Bodine along with Neil Bonner and Tim Richmond to pull away just a bit. Then Waltrip and Rudd still try to get around Riggins' car. Phil Parsons pulling some four car lengths on Jeff Bodine. Phil and brother Benny ran in the Camel Continental last month, but now Phil trying to hold off Bodine as they go down turn five. Phil Parsons down on the inside of the racetrack as Bodine enters up on him, looking to the inside as Bodine coming off the corner as Neil Bonner closes in on Bodine. Bodine's going to have to negotiate Parsons, and Parsons wants to stay in the lead lap, get himself back around the back of the field. He's had some experience here in a GTO car. Right now, it's Bodine leading Bonnet and Richmond. Phil Parsons, though, is running right at the race leader's speed. He does not appear to be holding up Jeff Bodine as they come to the right-hand turn 11 and back onto the pit straightaway. Bodine has his rearview mirror all filled up with Neil Bonnet and Tim Richmond. They're all over his back bumper. Waltrip is fourth. The lap car of Tommy Riggins. Rudd is fifth. Richard Petty has the sixth spot as they go down into the 90. The right-hand turn number one and head up the hill. And still, Phil Parsons shows the way in front of Jeff Bodine. The George Fulmer car now coming off pit road. It spits those cars out onto the track here in turn number two. So Fulmer has now gotten behind Phil Parsons, just ahead of Jeff Bodine. Then behind Bodine, Tim Richmond, who makes a move to the outside. Bodine got pinned in behind Fulmer, but quickly he makes a move to the left and also holds Richmond at bay. It's Phil Parsons showing the way, but three car lengths back there, nose to tail. Bodine, Richmond, then Bonnet, Waltrip, and Tommy Riggins. Earlier, Parsons was not holding up Bodine. Now he may be doing it because it's giving Neil Bonnet a chance to close in. Also, Tim Richmond now right up on Bodine's tail as they come off the court two. 
Bonnet trying to put some distance on Bodine. Bodine leading the field down this storage chute. Richard Petty goes to the inside to try to make a move on somebody way in the back of the pack. It's still Bodine, Richmond, and then behind Fulmer, it's Neil Bonnet. Phil Parsons has a good shot to finish high this afternoon, so he can't just pull over and let himself go another lap down, so he has to hold what ground he has. Meanwhile, leader Jeff Bodine finds about six or seven cars really breathing down his neck as they're all trying to take the lead away. Richmond, of course, trying to get inside of him in the corners, hasn't been able to do it there in turn one. Bonnet jumps out of line trying to move around the George Fulmer car, can't do it, and they're still chasing Bill Parsons. So behind George Fulmer, Neil Bonnet busily trying to hold Darrell Waltrip at bay, but near the head of the pack, Phil Parsons, he's two car lanes ahead of the race leader, Bodine. Again, remember, Phil is on the tail end of the lead lap. Bodine leads. He has four car lanes on Tim Richmond. It is then one out, actually three-quarters of a second then, from Richmond back to the Fulmer car, followed by third place Neil Bonnet and fourth place Darrell Walter. Phil Parsons is getting a lot of muscle out of that Richard Jackson engine, and he still leads Bodine by two car legs. Now one car leg, a half the car leg. Bodine on the inside in turn five. Bodine battling, coming down into turn number five, looking for the chance to take his shot. Off the corner, he's not going to be able to do it. Still, it's Parsons out front. He doesn't want to take too much of a chance, but could jeopardize his lead. He still chases Parsons down that straightaway. It's a downhill run for the left-hander into turn 10, and Bodine has Tim Richmond right on his rear deck lid. Bodine's first concern is to be there for those last 10 laps, so he is going to have to negotiate gingerly to get by Phil Parsons. They have left everybody but Tim Richmond running well back. Richmond is closing up on Bodine, but it's going to be about two seconds back to Neil Bonnet, the third place car. It took him a long time to get past George Fulmer, who's now a lap down. Waltrip has his hands full with Fulmer and has Ricky Rudd right on his bumper. They're down into one and heading up toward two. Ricky Rudd trying to make a move inside of Darrell Waltrip as Darrell is still tied in behind the Fulmer blue and white machine. He can't do it. Now through the S's, Bodine, who really has Richmond pressuring him from the rear, tried to make a quick move around Phil Parsons, but Phil used the same groove and wouldn't let Bodine by. Now Jeffrey, near the top end of the back straightaway, swings outside. We'll watch for Bodine to make his move. Now he moves to the inside. He's now inside of Phil Parsons, and Bodine will take the point, and he will bring Tim Richmond along with him. Richmond on the inside. Parsons rides high. It's about seven car lengths back to Neil Bonnet. Unscheduled pit stop for, for Al Unser in the Baker car. Let's go to Dick Brooks. As, uh... They evidently got a clutch problem. They didn't know exactly what it was. He come in and they said he didn't have much of a clutch, so they went in there and tried to adjust the linkage out some on it. He's still sitting in the car. In fact, he's taking his goggles off. Well, it may be a short day for Al Unser Sr., but Buddy Baker made a wise decision because Unser had really given the car a good ride. We'll be back at Watkins Glen in a moment. We're back at Watkins Glen. A lot of smoke has been coming out of Richard Petty's car off and on throughout the day, and Dick Brooks is making his way up to his pit, and perhaps we can get a word as to what the trouble is. Dick Brooks, go ahead. Okay, I'm talking to Dale Inman. Dale, they say there's a lot of smoke coming out of Richard's car. You know what it is? Well, we might be throwing a little bit out of the breather. After, there might have been some oil up in the oil tank at time, and just in the right-hander, might be throwing it out getting on the brake radars. They're awful hot. I said, I hope that's what it is. <laughs> okay. So, Petty, whatever it is, it's not affecting his performance on the racetrack. He is one of the fastest cars out there right now. 
Tim Richmond leads Neil Botta now by 2.25 seconds. Darrell Walter, Ricky Rudd, Richard Petty holding on to fifth spot, but it's a lot of smoke, and Jerry Punch, I guess, especially up in your area. Yeah, well, Richard backs off of the STP Pontiac coming down this long back straightaway. We see a plume of smoke from beneath the car, and in fact, the car is back behind him. Rusty Wallace, Dale Earnhardt, and the others have been backing off early because Richard put so much smoke at him in turn five that they want to stay behind him. But once he gets back on the gas, the smoke disappears, and the car looks to be okay. Well, a week or so ago at Talladega, Bobby Hillen Jr. pulled off his first win, and he is so frustrated here this week, and I felt sorry for him because he was the center of attention there for a while. He told me the other day that he came up here, and I said, what kind of shape are you in here? And he just shook his head, and I said, it's not that bad, is it? He said, you wouldn't believe it. We don't know what gear to run. If we did, we wouldn't know where to shift and everything else. Well, it really is because uh, you don't know where to shift gears. You don't know how to shift gears. You don't know what's faster, and there's a lot of different methods you can use, and I what uh, we're trying to figure out and at the same time we're trying to figure out the mechanics of shifting gears how to do it right where you don't hurt the transmission you don't hurt the rear end or the motor or anything like that and so it's a it's a physical thing to learning how to do it properly and then there's a mental thing of learning which is faster doing it one way or doing it the other way so we're going through that kind of stage right now and hopefully by sunday we'll have it worked out well, he's had a pretty good run. He's been able to stay in the lead lap in the early part of the race this afternoon. At one point, they had him up in about 16th position, so not a bad run for Bobby Hillen, but it has to be frustrating. He's in the same boat with a lot of other drivers. That's true. Uh, most of them have no experience on this racetrack. Interesting to see how they sort out the race course and pick their way around it. Good four-car battle heading up through the S's. Ricky Rudd, Richard Petty, Dale Earnhardt, and Rusty Wallace. Rusty Wallace is closed in right behind Richard Petty. Petty, in turn, is a car length behind Earnhardt, and those three cars are some Four car lengths behind Ricky Rudd, now single file to the back stretch. We have a spin in turn one. Mike Walter, the son of 360, is off the race course, trying to refire the car. He now does refire it. Well, let's see. Yes, he does refire it. He'll rejoin the race. So Mike Waltrip gets some of kind of what Bobby Hillen was talking about. You kind of learn the hard way here, and when you do that, you don't forget those kind of lessons. He gets back on the course. He'll be all right. But a good race here at Watkins Glen this afternoon. Still is far from being over. Don't, don't pick a winner in this one yet because Jeff Bodine and Tim Richmond have been the two cars who've been right up at the front of the pack. But you can never tell about Darrell Waltrip and Neil Bonnet, certainly a factor in this race here this afternoon, bouncing back from his injuries at Pocono, Pennsylvania. He's given that car a good ride as he passes the start-finish line and works his way back into turn number one. Waltrip is right behind him, and I'd say they're kind of playing a waiting game, no question. I think so, Barney, and it, I'm very surprised. I think a lot of people are to see Neil Bonnet driving as hard as he is after a very short recuperation period. Well, I probably surprise a lot of people telling me I'm about 80, 85, but I believe I'm back that much. I believe I believe I can drive 100%. I might be 85% off physically. I'm, I might not have to use some right side as much as I'd like to have, but and of all places to be here at a road course, but I don't think it's going to affect the outcome very much. I can drive the car good with this power steering unit on it, and I'm able to shift when I have to, so I believe I can make it all right. Well, as we've said a hundred times on our broadcast, the best therapy in the world for any kind of physical injury is to get in that car and have a chance to win. You forget all your aches and pains and whatever else is the problem and just get out there and do the job. And Neil Bonnet's doing it this afternoon. Let's pick up the leaders on the course. Your leader, Tim Richmond, just coming off turn five and down the short straight now, heading toward that uh, pass over the uh, tunnel that goes into the infield. He comes into the left-hand turn of turn 10, and he's got about three seconds on Neil Bonnet in second place. Back behind them, though, the big battle, Ricky Rudd, Dale Earnhardt, Richard Petty, and Rusty Wallace. Earnhardt and Petty are nose to tail as the leader comes off turn 11 and back to the start-finish line here at Watkins Glen International. Richmond's lead over Neil Bonnet, 2.5 seconds. Waltrip just behind, and then back to the Ricky Rudd car in fourth. It's 4.7 seconds from the leader, but that's where the battle is shaping up with Rudd, Earnhardt, Petty, and Wallace. They're at the bottom of the hill in turn one. 
And it is still Ricky Rudd out front holding about a three-car length advantage. Richard Petty's car continues to smoke heavily. The smoke is kicking up once again on the Rusty Wallace Elugard car as well. Meanwhile, the leaders coming through the S's. Neil Bonnet still 2.58 seconds down to Tim Richmond. Ricky Rudd, Earnhardt, Richard Teddy, and Rusty Wallace beginning to tighten it up now. It is just one half of a second from the front car to the last car in that four-car tangle. And Jeff Bodine is making some moves now. He's following George Fulmer past J.D. McDuffie and heading towards the point. And Bodine now moving on the inside of a couple of lap cars. George Fulmer now he makes the move on Benny Parsons in turn five. Jeff Bodine on the move in the Levi Garrett Chevrolet. Bodine picking his way through the slower traffic coming into turn number five. He's on the inside now of Benny Parsons, and that is a good battle shaping up side by side coming off the corner. Bodine gets a little sideways, but gets it straightened out with a short shoot. That's a tough place to slide off. He has to fall in behind Parsons right now as they come down the short shoot and into turn 10. Parsons continues to hold position. Bodine right behind him. Behind him, it's Fulmer and then Riggins. Those cars off the pace. It is a hard battle here on this road course when you have to play catch up and make your way up to the front. Here's Richard Petty, and he'll be heading for pit road. He was black flag just a moment ago, and you heard him talking with Dick Brooks, his crew chief, Dale Inman, that a lot of smoke was coming out of the car, and they've been trying to get it cured, and apparently it is oil smoke or transmission fluid of some sort because it has become a little bit of a hazard on the racetrack, and they have pulled him onto pit road. Let's go to the pits. Well, Going into the back of the car, trying to find, see if they can see where the leak's coming from, and they—they're not having any luck at it. They, it uh, they think that the that the oil or the smoke is coming from the rear, but they didn't find anything leaking. They're just kind of sitting there now, saying, "I wonder where it's at." Ned, you had a speculation on what that might be on Petty's car a moment ago. Well, I thought earlier, Barney, as I was looking at the car go down the, the straightaway here in front of the pits, that it might be rear end grease, and when they raise the deck lid, well, uh, then I thought, well, maybe it is the the oil sump tank back there a leak in there or something. But as Dick said, it didn't look like they did anything to it. They just sent him on the way. James Hilton coming in now for an unscheduled pit stop. And just a few moments ago, Dave Marcus, who has made two unscheduled pit stops today, was in. But he got to change the left side tires and went on back out. I think the leaders, Barney, should be able to go the distance from their last pit stop. I believe they can make it the rest of the way as far as needing gas is concerned. Well, that may be something we'll keep tabs on here in just a moment. We'll be back at Watkins Glen in a moment. 20 laps to go in the Budweiser at the Glen here at Watkins Glen International. Last time by, Tim Richmond enjoyed a 4.3 second advantage over Neil Bonnet, the second place car. Here is Richmond across the stripe, and Bonnet has a drafting partner in the person of his Budweiser teammate, Darrell Waltrip. 4.3 seconds is the advantage. Fourth is Ricky Rudd. Fifth is Dale Earnhardt. And sixth is Rusty Wallace. We've seventh right now. coming down into the 10, turn 10. It looks like Bobby Hillen has exploded an engine coming down the short chute, and he's pulling to the side now. A smoke pours from underneath the Miller Buick. Hillen is down on the apron of the track. We'll get it as low to the racetrack as he can. It's going to bring us under caution. It will be the fourth one this afternoon as Bobby Hillen Jr., the winner of the Talladega 500, he will bring. He as he comes in to turn 10 there up there, but he's getting down off of the racetrack. Richard Petty, I believe, did hit him. Looked like Petty did indeed run into Bobby Hillen as Hillen looped his car down at turn number 11, trying to get to the entrance of the pit lane. Hillen's car is now stopped on the track apron to the inside, right at the inside apex of turn 11. It'll be difficult for the drivers to come around to get the caution flag and negotiate because that is out of their view as they enter the turn number 11. As they start to turn in, they'll see Hillen's car. They should be able to get around him without incident if there's no oil on the racetrack. Dave Marcus comes past and swings it way wide down at that location, and we're under caution yet again. So we'll see everyone probably take advantage of this caution flag to get on pit road. And from Watkins Glen International, this is MRN, the Motor Racing Network. 
Back at Watkins Glen, and just about everyone has been on pit road for an update quickly. Let's go to Ned Jarrett first. Well, Barney, we said earlier that they should be able to go the rest of the way, but when this caution came out, practically everybody did duck on pit road, and most of them have taken on four tires. Of course, the cooler tires will let them run faster, get a better attraction on the racetrack, so that's what they look for. They know that their compatriots are going to do that, so they come in, take on four tires, and fill it up with gasoline, so there's no question but what they can go the rest of the distance now. Dick Brooks. Everybody, everybody made a regular four-tire four stop. I didn't see anything out of the ordinary on anybody's car other than they've got Richard Petty's car now jacked up, and they're trying to find where the leaks and stuff are. This is a great break for them because they were going to black flag them again. So now they can do some work on the front and the rear, find out where it's from and from. Dale Inman still hasn't found it. I asked him a minute ago. He said he didn't know where it came from. Bobby Allison stopped. They changed the left side tires. Didn't have any problem. And the right side tire, something happened on the right rear, and they couldn't get the wheel off. Other than that, it just, uh, you know, regular routine, let's get up and go. This is time to finish the race type stops. Well, this will be the last stop of the day, apparently, unless we have another caution flag or something. If it stays green, you've got to make the final adjustments. What you do right now determines maybe whether you win or lose this race, so the pit stop has to be right. It'll be a lap or so yet before we'll go back to green. They're going to remove Bobby Hillens, Miller American Buick, out of turn 11 and put it on pit road or either in the garage. And perhaps we can get a word with the Talladega 500 winner here a little bit later this afternoon. While we're under caution, it'll give us a moment to talk with the director of special events from R.J. Reynolds Tobacco Company down in Winston-Salem, T. Wayne Robertson. I'm surprised to see you up here in one way, but it's been one heck of a show, and apparently you anticipated that. Well, I tell you, Barney, we've had some very successful events here with our Camel GT Series at Watkins Glen, and, and we knew when we brought the Western Cup competitors back up here that they would be able to put on the type show that these Northeastern fans would enjoy. And the, the fans here in the Northeast have certainly shown the support, and it's overwhelming the amount of people that we have here today, Barney. You've been out in the out in the infield area and around the course, as Mike was talking about. These fans walk, they travel, they look at this thing at different points. They are totally enthusiastic about this race. Well, Bobby Mass and myself just took a ride around the track, and we rode around the, the inside perimeter of the track and it's amazing there there is not room to walk between the cars and the campers every inch of the space around this track and it's just people everywhere the stands are full well we want to talk to you a little bit about the points battle a couple of weeks ago or even as little as three or four weeks ago it looked like it might be a two-way show between Darrell Waltrip and Dale Earnhardt for the Winston Cup championship boy that's changed in a hurry well Tim Richmond now is only 24 points behind Darrell Waltrip who's just 161 points behind Tim Richmond and it's going to be a typical Winston Cup season Barney and that they're going to come down to the to the wire and I think it, the com competition they're showing here today is the same type of competition we've shown throughout the year that uh, it will never be a runaway just because the competition is so great now well the field for the Winston is going to be a good one next year Bill Elliott won, what, 11 races last year, so he closed out a lot of drivers that would have made the Winston. It's not going to be the case this year. Well, I tell you, we've got some exciting announcements on the Winston coming very shortly, and uh, we're going to be, be putting those out in, in the very short in the very near future to where we're going to hold the Winston and some things that I think will be very exciting for all the Winston fans. Well, when you go back to Winston-Salem, you need to pry Jerry Long away from the swimming pool on weekends and tell him to come back to the racetrack and bring him up here because it's a great show. I tell you, I know Jerry's at home listening to this, and uh, as you know, he is the number one Winston Cup fan. He's having a heck of a year, and uh, and he will. He wants to get back. He's going to be with us at Charlotte. And we're from here. We go to Michigan, then to Bristol. And then we go down to Southern 500 where Dale Earnhardt and uh, Bobby Allison and, and Jeff Bodine will be shooting for that extra $100,000 a bonus on the Winston Million. 
Wayne, thanks for stopping by, and we'll chat with you a bit later. Mike? Next week, we'll head up to Michigan International Speedway, the champion spark plug 400. Earl Parker is champion's man at the NASCAR races, and he's standing on the roof here listening to every beat of every engine and make sure they're firing on all eight. The champion will present that event next Sunday at the newly repaid Michigan International Speedway up in Brooklyn, Michigan. In two weeks, we'll go to Bristol, Tennessee for the Bush 500 under the lights Saturday night, and then Labor Day weekend, the Southern 500 on the traditional Labor Day weekend. The race will be Sunday, not Monday, down there in Darlington, South Carolina. In September on the 7th, the Wrangler Indigo 400 at Richmond Fairgrounds. September 14th, the Delaware 500 at Dover, Delaware on the Incredible Mile. September 21st, the little short track that thinks it's a super speedway for good reason. That's Martinsville, Virginia, and it's the Goodies Headache Powders 500. September 28th, the Holly Farms Chicken 400 at North Wilkesboro, North Carolina, Enix Daily Speed Plant. And then in October, the Oakwood Homes 500 at Charlotte, the Nationwide Auto Parts 500 at Rockingham, the Atlanta Journal 500 in November at Atlanta, Georgia, and, of course, the Winston Western 500 at Riverside. California will close out the chase for the Winston Cup in 1986. We're still under caution. It's the fourth one of the day. Bobby Hillen's blown engine. Richard Petty might have got just a piece of him there at turn number 11 what? when they spun. Ned? Mike, I'm standing by with Bobby Hillen, who they've gotten his car back to the garage area. Was it the engine, Bobby? I think it was, Ned. You know, the Miller American Buick was running good all day, and, you know, we put a lot of practice laps on the motor trying to get set up for today and trying to get me some experience. And, you know, I knew after we abused the motor so much during the week that something could possibly happen, but we were going to go for it anyway. And we got some experience, and next time we come here, hopefully we can do better. I'd just like to thank Miller and All Pro and Buick, all my sponsors, Cavallo Brothers. They've done a good job. Quite a difference in two weeks from today. That's right. You know, every time it seems like we start climbing up the ladder in the point system, we have a bad race and drop out. And, you know, we're not going to give up. We're going to keep fighting. And one of these times, we're going to put a string of finishes together, and hopefully we'll end up good in the points when the year's over with. Okay, sorry to see you at it. Thank you. Fast pit work by Ernie Dan, and the crew got Bill Elliott out at the head of the class. He becomes the fifth different driver to lead this race. Darrell Waltrip, Rusty Wallace, Tim Richmond, and Jeff Bodine have each had a piece of the front spot here. Interesting note on... Uh, Tommy Riggins' car, the Valvoline Pontiac. This is not from the same racing stable as the Valvoline Pontiac of Ron Bouchard. That's out of the Mike Curb racing operation in North Carolina. And that team has cut back its Winston Cup involvement to just, I believe, three or four more races for the rest of 1986. And Bouchard, he's working on trying to get things organized for himself for 1987. But this team is out of Winter Park, Florida. It's owned by the Dingman brothers. Billy Dingman, a car uh, automobile dealer down in Florida, runs Tommy Riggins and Craig Carter as part of a team in the IMSA Camel GTO series. And they've prepared this Winston Cup car for Riggins to drive here. He's one of the road racers in the field doing a fine job this afternoon. We're under caution. We may get one lap to go when they come past the start-finish line next time. Jeff Bodine pitted on that just as they got the indication. One lap to green. Let's see if we can get an update on what his problem was to Dick Brooks. Uh, I couldn't really tell from here when I had the hood up. I'm at the other end of the pit row. But when he came by here, the motor didn't sound real good. Sound like maybe he had one cylinder flat on it. Ned? Well, apparently <laughs> there is a problem under the hood of that car. So Jeff Bodine is going to have to play catch up with not all that many laps remaining here at Watkins Glen and the Budweiser at the Glen. It's been a good race. I think they've surprised a lot of folks because even the drivers themselves were apprehensive about what kind of a show they could put on and how good they could race here. Would they have to run single file and really play it tipsy-tosy, so to speak? That's not been the case at all. I've been uh, very, very surprised and impressed with the quality of the racing here, and, and one fellow in particular, and that's Dale Earnhardt. 
Folks from down south are used to Earnhardt's hard-charging style. He has not shown that here today, but apparently the car is capable of being contention. It'll be interesting to see how he and Rusty Wallace, Wallace who scrambled from the back to the front of the pack, will square off against Waltrip, Bonnet, and Bill Elliott when they drop the green flag as they come by the start-finish stripe. They're just coming out of turn number 10, be heading up into 11, getting ready to take the green again. Bill Elliott being posted as a leader. Waltrip rides second. Neil Bonnet's third. The fourth-place car is Tim Richmond. Earnhardt is fifth. Sixth is Rusty Wallace. Benny Parsons is currently in seventh. Eighth is Ricky Rudd. Allison, Bobby Allison is ninth. And tenth would have been Jeff Bodine, but now he's dropped far back. Harold Kinder puts them under green, and they'll get down to conclude the Budweiser at the Glen. Up through the gearbox. They head down by pit road and off into turn number one. Single file, but that won't stay that way very long over in turn two works their way downhill into that 90-degree turn. Bill Elliott trying to hold off the challenge of Waltrip. They've got about a half car length on Neil Bonnet, Tim Richmond. Richmond now moves to the inside of Bonnet, trying to beat him to turn number two, but again, couldn't make the inside move. So it's single file coming uphill through the S's. Elliott leads Waltrip, Neil Bonnet, Tim Richmond, Dale Earnhardt, Rusty Wallace, Benny Parsons, and Ricky Rudd. You can basically walk from one car to the next. They're that close. Elliott brings the course forward down the long back straightaway, really flying now. Four car lengths over Darrell Walter in second spot. Now Tim Richmond in third, and Earnhardt sneaks a peek inside Neil Bonnet for fourth. Bill Elliott has the lead over Darrell Walter by some three car lengths as he sweeps it wide coming off the corner. Tim Richmond is in third, Neil Bonnet is fourth, Dale Earnhardt fifth. Elliott leads Waltrip, but here's a move to the inside of Elliott as they come down the short chute to turn 10, and it's Waltrip sweeping by Elliott to take over the lead as he dives into that left-hander into 10. Elliott second, third is Richmond. Well, they've had those laps under caution to cool the brakes down. Nobody's playing it conservative now. Out of turn number 11, back to the start-finish stripe. Waltrip takes it right out to the edge of the racetrack. On his rear bumper is Elliott's Ford, then Richmond Chevrolet. Six car lengths back to Neil Bonnet, Dale Earnhardt, Rusty Wallace, Benny Parsons, and Ricky Rudder in turn one. And Tim Richmond has dipped to the inside and has taken over the number two spot as he moves around the Elliott car. Tried to make a move. Elliott tried to return to the inside of Tim Richmond, but couldn't quite pull off the pass. So now as Waltrip takes it away by two, two and a half car lengths, he leaves Richmond in second, Elliott third, Neil Bonnet fourth, Earnhardt is fifth, sixth is Rusty Wallace. They swing all the way to the inside, up against the retaining wall, then back outside they go off turn four for the back stretch. Darrell Walter has been saving those brakes all afternoon, trying to save that car for the last 10 laps, and the last 10 laps are rapidly coming, but Walter now leads Richmond by two car lengths. He's got a car length on Bill Elliott. The Budweiser Chevrolet hugging the inside of turn number five. This is a 180-degree downhill turn. He sweeps wide, coming off the corner. Richmond is right behind him in second. Richmond wants to get back on top. He's been there once before, closes in on Darrell Walter as they begin to pull away from the Bill Elliott machine, make the left into 10, and it's Richmond right on the deck lid of Waltrip. Waltrip holding off Tim Richmond, and that's going to be a full-time job for the next 13 laps because that's what remains here in the race at the Budweiser at the Glen. Darrell comes through turn 11, swings wide, tries to cut it down to pinch Richmond off to keep him from getting any chance of making a run at him in the short straightaway. He is still able to hold him off as they head down the hill into turn one. It is Richmond tucked in tightly behind the number 11 Budweiser Chevrolet of Waltrip as they round the S, around the 90 and head back to the S's. Those two turns, or those two cars at least, have pulled away by some four car lanes over Bill Elliott. The other battles behind them equally as tight as Earnhardt still works on Neil Bonnet. Rusty Wallace is there. Benny Parsons, Ricky Run as well. But the front two have nearly three quarters of a second on Bill Elliott. It's Richmond right in the tire tracks of Waltrip looking inside of him to make a pass. And Tim Richmond moves to the inside. They're door to door down the back straightaway. Richmond and Waltrip side by side. No one giving quarter. Richmond on the bottom side of turn five, and he will take the lead. 
Side by side, coming through the corner. Tim Richmond now shows the colors of the Folgers Chevrolet out in front as they come off number five. Richmond and Walter falling back by a car link. They swing wide off turn five and then cut to the inside of the short straightaway and begin to really rock it down that straightaway. They'll have to gear down to about 80 miles an hour into turn 10, and they do. Richmond's got three car lengths on Waltrip. Barney, there's a heating problem on Jeff Bodine's car number five. When he spun over there, he pushed some of the sheet metal back in to cut off some of the air, so that is, was the reason for that last pit stop on him. And it's going to cost him a shot at winning this race this afternoon, but this one is far from being over as the leaders head back into turn number one. Tim Richmond has taken it away from Darrell Waltrip. Now the question is, can Waltrip take it back they're in front of Eli Gold well can he take it back it's a good toss-up question going into turn number one you tend to go in a bit too quickly so they both work their way gingerly through the corner now accelerating uphill into the 120 mile an hour range through the S's Waltrip is still four car lanes down now three car lanes down passing our position the front two cars with a second on Elliott he has eight car lanes on Bonnet Bonnet has four on Earnhardt who has two on Wallace Tim Richmond flexing the muscle on the Randy Dorton engine down the back straightaway as Richmond now leading Waltrip by six car lengths in turn five. Waltrip is second, some seven car lengths back to Elliott in third. Neil Bonnet is fourth. Tim Richmond comes downhill in turn five with about four car lengths over Darrell Waltrip. Bill Elliott trying to close in a little bit on Waltrip. There is Bonnet next in line with Dale Earnhardt and Rusty Wallace. Richmond said that uh, sometimes the loose driver, the driver that's aggressive here is the one who's going to win, and he's not one of those that Elias uses a lot of finesse. He's driving aggressively now and pulling away from Waltrip. It'll be 10 laps to go this time by. Tim Richmond heads into turn number 11, takes it high to the outside. Waltrip goes out wider, kicks up a little bit of dirt. The difference between them is about eight-tenths of a second. Elliott's third, Bonnet's fourth, Earnhardt's fifth, sixth is Wallace, seventh Benny Parsons, eighth is Ricky Rudd. Ninth is Kyle Petty, Bobby Allison is 10th, and Morgan Shepard has the 11th spot. Richard Petty has dropped to 12th. 13th, then, is Jeff Bodine. We'll be right back. Tim Richmond continues to hold off Darrell Waltrip as the laps wind down here at Watkins Glen. They head down into turn number one. The separation is about six or seven car lengths, and Waltrip might have just backed off a little bit to keep him in sight, make sure those brakes are cool for the run at the end when he does put a charge on him. We pause 10 seconds on the Motor Racing Network for station identification. Leaders are up through the S's in front of Eli Gold. As they work through the corner and head down the back straightaway, Richmond still has the advantage. Tim Richmond has a two car length, making one car length advantage on Darrell Walter as they drop off the hill in turn five. A fast closing, Darrell Waltrip coming off turn number five, looking to the inside of Tim Richmond. He will, though, drop back into single file as they hit the short shoot. Waltrip takes a peek to the inside and closes down on Richmond, but doesn't try to make any move as they come to turn 10. They make the left, uh, right, left hand turn, and Richmond has about a car length now on Waltrip. Dale Earnhardt and Rusty Wallace continue to be locked in a good battle as the leaders come up to turn number 11, the 90-degree right-hand corner. It is Waltrip this time taking a nice, easy line through that corner, not getting out in the dirt. Back behind them, Bill Elliott is all alone in the third position. Fourth is in doubt as Earnhardt is right up behind Neil Bonnet now, leaving Rusty Wallace a couple of car lengths back. The leaders are headed up the hill. Richmond's car. He closes to within a couple of car lanes going downhill to begin the S's. Now the climb uphill sees Richmond pull away again. Waltrip had closed to within a car lane, but now it's back to three car lanes, make it four as they Trouble. pass us. Trouble in turn five. Michael Waltrip in the Hawaiian Tropic car has spun. He came off the corner, lost control, spun down on the grass that uh, separates the entrance of the boot from the remainder of the course. 
He spun down into the retaining wall, that double-strand railing bounced off that, slid back out into the track, and has the car refired and is heading on back towards the pits now. We'll stay under green. It'll be no problem for Mike Waltrip as he gets his car back on the course. Should be no problem for the leaders because they're a little bit behind that. As they work their way around the corner, Waltrip's car comes on around, and there is quite a bit of sheet metal damage on his machine, so that's going to drop him far back in the field, and too bad because he'd been in the lead lap most of the day. It is. He was still on the lead lap. The rookie driver, Mike Waltrip, having a great day. His brother, meantime, is trying to chase down the race leader, Tim Richmond. Let's pick them up. They're just heading out of turn number 11 and back into the straightaway. As they swing back down the hill toward turn one, Waltrip is still about a half a second back. Then it's a good two seconds back to Bill Elliott third. The battle is going to be between Neil Bonnet, Dale Earnhardt, and Rusty Wallace. And don't be surprised if they make some dust fly up here very shortly as they head down the hill to turn two. That wouldn't surprise you at all to see those cars get together. They're basically side by side, or actually nose to tail right now as they come back to single file formation, re-entering the S's. The leader is still Tim Richmond by four car lanes over Waltrip. Darrell has a second and a half over Bill Elliott, then nose to tail, Neil Bonnet, Dale Earnhardt, and Rusty Wallace. They have pulled away comfortably from Benny Parsons and Ricky Rudd. Those three cars led by the Earnhardt car head down behind the backstretch. Here's a battle for fourth spot back in the pack as Dale Earnhardt tries to make a move, but Neil Bonnet will slam the door. Right behind Earnhardt is Rusty Wallace. Those three cars still nose to tail. Earnhardt holding the inside of the racetrack, trying to close in on Neil Bonnet, but Bonnet will pull him off the corner. Earnhardt gets a little sideways. Coming off number five, Rusty Wallace drops back about two car lengths. Earnhardt has the power coming down the short straight and has really been pressuring Bonnet coming through turn 10. He's right on his rear deck lid, tries to get to the inside and then the outside of him as he moves back and forth, but he can't get a spot to get inside going into 11. Earnhardt cuts it high to the outside, coming into turn number 11, cannot take advantage as Tim Richmond takes the five lap to go sign from Harold Kinder. He has a one second advantage. For fourth spot now, they're side by side coming down the hill to turn one. And it is, Earnhardt on the inside, he'll have the advantage as they enter turn number one. Yes, he does cleanly take that number four position. And now Rusty Wallace tries to outbreak Neil Bonnet and take the inside. Spin in turn one, excuse me, Mike Waltrip spinning off the race course, oh, way up in the grass. He will retain control, keeps it under fire. And Bobby Allison spins right behind him. We've got double trouble here in turn one. Both cars doing a 360, both continue. They both stay out of the wall, make no contact, and they'll both go back onto the course, but it's gonna really cost Allison very dearly. The leader should be at the top of the hill of the S's. They have exited the S's, now work towards the back straightaway. Richmond leads. Tim Richmond leading Darrell Walter by two car lengths. The battle now back for a fifth spot between Neil Bonnet and Rusty Wallace. Wallace now half a car length in turn five. Wallace trying to close in on Bonnet as they come down the hill in turn number five. They'll both take it kind of wide, still staying about the same distance apart. Wallace looks to the inside of the track as it comes up on Bonnet's car. They're both chasing down Earnhardt. Rusty Wallace has another chance coming into turn 10 to get to the inside of Bonnet. It won't work. One more try over at 11. Back toward turn number 11. The leader's coming out and past start-finish once again. Richmond bobbled his car just a bit. It developed a bit of push coming off turn 11. Earnhardt is closing up on Bill Elliott. This will be the race for third spot. Bonnet, meanwhile, has his hands full with Rusty Wallace. So three good battles for first spot, third spot, and fifth as they go back into the S's. The battle for the lead is still four, five, six car lanes now is again going downhill to start the S's. Richmond really pulls away from Waltrip, although Darrell manages to close up just a bit on the uphill portion through the S's. Bill Elliott comfortably in third. He's got eight car lanes on Earnhardt. 
Neil Bonham and Rusty Wallace, though, that's going to be the battle. Wallace draws to within four car lanes. Now three as they gun it off turn four and head down the back stretch. Tim Richmond moving around slower traffic with the battle again back for fifth spot as Bonnet trying to hold off. Rusty Wallace, he has him now by three car lengths. Now Bonnet beginning to make a move on Dale Earnhardt. Some four car lengths separate those two cars. Dale Earnhardt brings it down the hill now and falls back a little bit behind Bill Elliott. Neil Bonnet is next in line and Rusty Wallace once again a little bit loose coming off turn five. Earnhardt's able to open up some distance on Bonnet. Bonnet's about two car lengths ahead of Wallace as they come down the short chute over the tunnel and make the left turn into turn 10. It looks like Bonnet may be able to pull away from Wallace now. Bonnet's had a good run here this afternoon. It's far from being over as the crowd begins to gather in victory lane. Here's the leader, Tim Richmond, zips across the line and takes it back to turn number one. And Waltrip has lost some ground this circuit around the course. He has fallen back perhaps seven or eight car lengths as they're down in turn one. And Richmond is closing in to catch George Fulmer, put another lap on the Fulmer car. The battle for the number three position now heating up as Earnhardt is closed within striking distance of Bill Elliott. Earnhardt again trying to take the inside move around Bill Elliott. They work downhill into the start of the S's, but holding off is Bill Elliott as he won't let Earnhardt get that inside groove. Further back, Neil Bonnet has been left by the two cars, but at the same time, Bonnet is pulled away from Rusty Wallace, who got sandwiched in behind the Buddy Arrington and Jimmy Means machines. As Benny Parsons says, it's hard to beat a team when you got Big Mo on your side. That's momentum, and Tim Richmond currently has it. He's won two races in the last three starts. He currently has eight car lengths on Darrell Walter. And Richmond brings it down the hill, trying to pick his way around the George Fulmer car as Darrell Walter runs in the second spot. Good battle shaping up with Dale Earnhardt and Bill Elliott. Elliott takes Earnhardt off turn five. Here's Earnhardt trying to get to the outside of Elliott and get position before they get into turn five. He bobbles a little bit. Now he's in there. He gets in front of Elliott and has taken over third. Earnhardt had it just about sideways and in the dirt and out of the dirt coming off turn number 10 and headed for 11. But somehow, Duke's a hazard style. He keeps that car in front of Bill Elliott. Earnhardt comes off 11 and takes the two lap to go side from Harold Kinder. Let's pick up the leaders as they go to the S's. They work their way towards the S's. They'll come up on the Jeff Bodine car, which maybe is going 20 or 25 miles an hour, but the Levi Garrett machine will limp its way around to finish this event. The lead cars working around George Fulmer. Tim Richmond has passed him cleanly, though Richmond pulls away by a second and a quarter over Waltrip now. The third place battle is a good one. Earnhardt makes the move around Bill Elliott and leads Elliott by a couple of car lengths. Neil Bonnet is two seconds behind Elliott and Rusty Wallace a second behind Bonnet. Walter with eight car lengths back from Richmond, but now Earnhardt starting to close. He is some 10 car lengths back on Walter, who's caught in lap traffic behind George Fulmer. Earnhardt starting to reel in the leaders as they come into turn number five. He picks his way around some of the slower traffic and looks like he's about eight car lengths now behind Darrell Walter. Earnhardt really running away from Bill Elliott. Now he's going to have to hustle some. He's got less, just a little bit over one lap to go, and he's got to catch Darrell Waltrip, and he's still got lap traffic to deal with. Mike Joy might have hit the nail on the head a little early this afternoon when he said it was one of the smartest races. He had seen Earnhardt drive, not his style to lay back and conserve the car or anything else, just get out there and go for broke and win the race if he could, but it's beginning to pay off for him. And here he is out of turn number 11 with white flag being flashed to the leader as they work back to turn one on the final lap. Richmond owns about a five-car length advantage over Waltrip, who's on the bottom and taking the number two position, and here comes the number three car of Earnhardt. He's about four lengths back. Earnhardt trying to make a move. He'll, he'll not catch Darrell Waltrip. He's trying to hold off Bill Elliott. And here comes the hottest thing on the Winston Cup Tour, that Tim Richmond-Harry Hyde combination. The Folgers Coffee Chevrolet leads Darrell Waltrip 
by a full second and a quarter, but the battle now is between Earnhardt and Bill Elliott. They get together, trying to work off turn number four. This will be the battle for third. Battle for third spot, heats up. Elliott now trying to make a move on the inside. Earnhardt slams the door. Elliott moves high. Earnhardt moves high. They're in turn five as Earnhardt now tries to hug the inside, and Elliott now will stay on his rear bumper. Coming around side by side, Earnhardt makes his move and picks up the spot. Elliott now will try again, looks to the outside, now ducks back to the inside, and falls into single file as they hit the chute. They race down that short chute. Your leader, Tim Richmond, coming in to turn 10 right now in the battle for third. Behind him, it's Earnhardt ahead of Elliott by a car length. Buck Baker in 1957, Billy Wade in 1964, Marvin Patch in 1965, the fourth NASCAR winner at Watkins Glen, New York, is Tim Richmond. Richmond crosses the stripe, a second and a half ahead of Darrell Waltrip. And Dale Earnhardt's going to hold on and hold off Bill Elliott to finish third. Elliott will finish fourth. Finishing fifth should be Neil Bonnet. The sixth position looks like Rusty Wallace. Seventh would be Ricky Rudd, and that would be unofficial, but that looks like how the top seven will cross the start-finish line with Benny Parsons being posted in the eighth position. Kyle Petty would be ninth, and his dad, Richard Petty, apparently has picked up the 10th spot. We'll try to have a detailed scoring rundown for you before we leave the air today. Tim Richmond, the winner, will join him in victory lane. In NASCAR Today continues on the Motor Racing Network. We're back at Watkins Glen International. It's all over. The crowd has really been pumped up all afternoon for this race as Tim Richmond has driven one of the better road races of his career, that's for sure. At Riverside, California, I think he won his first event on a road course out there some years ago, but he's put it all together here today. And when you beat the likes of Darrell Waltrip and Bill Elliott and the rest of the field and Bodine and his teammate and some of the best road racers in the business, you earn your nickel. He's just pulling into victory lane, and we'll get a word with him here in just a moment. Again, it is Richmond winning, Waltrip finishing second. Earnhardt made a run this afternoon, and I think you kind of sized it up earlier, as we said. It's unusual to watch Dale Earnhardt lay back and just make his move late in the race. He did it today. He and Ricky Rudd, I think Barney drove one of the smartest races that, that I've seen in a while because they did not get up there and, and scrap. They knew they had to save their car for the finish. Both those drivers did. And Dick Brooks will be in the garage area to talk to some of the finishers. And why don't we go around and start our nominations for the Timex Timeliest Move of the Race Award. Let's go down to Gary Montgomery at turn one. Well, Mike, I'd have to vote for Neil Bonnet. I'm not sure exactly where he did finish, but this driver coming into the race injured, and there was some doubt the fact that he even start the car. Then there was doubt that he would stay in it. He stayed in it the entire distance. He was definitely a contender all afternoon long. My vote would go to Neil Bonnet. Eli Gold? I'm going to have to nominate Dale Earnhardt because the move he made to avoid Al Unser when Unser spun going down into turn number one and towards two, well, Earnhardt just decided to go over the ripple strips, over the curbing, into the grass because he had very little other choice, but it also was a gutsy move, and it kept him going to what turned out to be a pretty darn good finish. So I'm going to say for that move, avoiding Al Unser, we'll go with Earnhardt. Jerry Punch up at the end of the back stretch. I'll have to vote for Rusty Wallace. I saw Rusty a number of times make some dramatic moves underneath cars here, trying to climb his way back and claw back toward the front after he had a couple of misfortunes. And also when he spun over here in turn five, he looped the car three times and tried to keep it out of the tires, which could have been curtains for him. He did keep it out and was able to continue to a pretty good finish. So my vote goes to Rusty Wallace. At the exit of turn five, Joe Moore. Oh, Mike, I think I'm going to go along with Eli and vote for Dale Earnhardt, not for the same reason because I couldn't see that end of the racetrack. But uh, we talked to some of the drivers in the garage earlier this morning, and they were telling us they thought the best way to, to finish well in this race or possibly win it was to lay back in about 10th or 11th position most of the way, make your charge close to the end. That's exactly what Earnhardt did, and he came out with a third-place finish. So I vote for Dale Earnhardt. Dave Sutherland to turn 10. 
Well, out of empathy, if nothing else, I've got to go with Neil Bonnet. I know what the rib injury feels like, having gone through the same thing in about the last five weeks. Uh, to sit in a race car at 170 miles an hour, make those turns, and then get thrown to the other side in another turn is not a comfortable feeling. And uh, he kept the car straight. He qualified fifth, and he finished in the top five. Uh, How about Dick Brooks in the garage? Well, I, 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 you know, it's hard to see from the garage area to see who does what or, or wherever, but... I know from uh, when Rusty Wallace was leading the race, and then he went back, uh, gotten some problems, and uh, and went back and had to try to catch up. I seen some moves coming off the last turn down the front straightaway, and then diving in at the first turn. That was uh, was awful timely moves. He finally ended up slipping it out from under him at the end of the back straightaway, but uh, he came all the way from the back up to the front. And he made a lot of timely moves, I think. We'll get a vote from Ned Jarrett and from here in the booth in a moment. Right now, let's uh, check in down a victory lane. Well, Tim Richmond is. Uh, being congratulated by his car owner, his uh, crew chief. His car owner, of course, is Rick Hendrick. His crew chief is Harry Hyde. And uh, they're all huddled up here in a, in a TV thing right now, Mike Joyce. So let me go ahead and vote on the, the timeliest move. I'm going to cast my nomination towards Neil Bonnet as well for the same reasons that have been given already. And let me say also that Jimmy Maycar has been voted the $1,000, the TRW Mechanic of the Race Award. Jimmy, of course, is one of the crew members, one of the key crew members on the Rusty Wallace car. And with all the problems they had here today and keeping him in the running and having him to finish in the top ten here as well. The one move that's going to stand out in my mind and cause my vote to go to Dale Earnhardt was going early in the race this afternoon. We had a couple of spins going down into turn number one at the foot of the hill. And Earnhardt, at the risk of losing some time and really going back in the field, went off the course, took the car way out there and did drop back a ways. And that was a timely move on my – anytime you can save a major pileup that early in the race with almost the whole field behind you, it's deserving of a vote. So I'll cast mine for Dale Earnhardt. Well, that's risky business at best. And I'll conclude the voting here and we'll award the Timex $750. Bonnet drove hurt, but then again, that is part of this business, and it's what you must do if you're going to be a contender and run for the points. I think Earnhardt's move, it was, it was at risk. It was an excellent move. Got him back on the track. He held his car, came up through, and we'll give him that Timex. Timeliest move of the race award will go to Dale Earnhardt, and we'll go to Victory Lane. And Tim Richmond, out of the Folgers Coffee Machine, congratulations on a super run here. Thank you, Ned. Uh, I tell you what, the guys sure made it easy on me today, meeting Harry Hyde and the whole Folgers crew. Uh, this thing was flawless all day, uh, except at the start. We went from first to back to sixth or so. We changed motors today. We changed everything because we didn't feel comfortable with what we had in practice. So the, the guys got here early this morning and changed everything there was, I think, to change in the car. When we started, uh, we had a little, uh, the motor was missing, and we switched to a different ignition, and uh, it cleared it right up. And that was about the only problem we had all day. Uh, I just, uh, we just made a point to try to stay out of trouble and, and not burn the brakes off the car, and, and we had enough car left at the end to, to, to whoop on them. At one time, Daryl had moved in with about 10 laps to go, moved back up on you. Were you sort of cooling at the same time and you thought he was too? No, not really. You know, when Daryl started, started hammering on me there towards the end, I had some left. I, you know, I didn't want to extend uh, the whole car and then not have any for the last two laps or so. But Daryl... Uh, he played a very smart race today. He, uh, he didn't look like he was in, even in the hunt there for a couple times. But then at the end there, uh, with uh, I think about five laps to go or eight laps to go, he, uh, he turned the wick loose on it, and he, he started coming at me. But uh, in about two or three laps, uh, you know, we kind of we got away from him after that. He kind of, I think, used the brakes up. But he had a lot left, and he was, he was using everything he had. I just, if I had made a mistake, Darrell Walton would be the winner right now. Tim, your impressions of Watkins Glen? Well, I mean, what can you say about New York? You know, you see that thing, I love New York? 
Well, I love New York, let me tell you that, that's for sure. How about it? Okay, he's got a kind word for everybody, especially when you're in Victory Lane. Well, yeah, you know, I'd still have the uh, kind word for, for all the people up here in, in the state itself, uh, even if I wasn't in Victory Lane, but it's even more special since I am. This, this Watkins Glen, uh, you know, there's a phrase for some, somewhere, uh, someplace special. This is someplace special, and I'm, I'm very, very proud to be part of uh, uh, the winner's roster here at Watkins Glen. This is, this is something very, very uh, dear to, to myself, and I hope we get to do it again. Well, Mike and Barney, he's certainly been on a roll here lately on the Winston Cup circuit. He really has. He's been a credit to the sport, and he's been good for the sport of auto racing. He's one of the most colorful drivers, and he makes things happen. He's like Dale Earnhardt. When he gets out there, you're going to watch him. Tough day, though, for his Hendrick Motorsports teammate, Jeff Bodine, was voted the Goodies Headache Award by the press in attendance. That's $500 and a big sample of Goodies Headache powders. And I'm afraid Jeff's bad luck from Pocono and Talladega continues up here at Watkins Glen. He spun off the course, damaging some of the understructure of the car, which led to an overheating problem and forced him to pit with just a couple of laps to go. We'll get a look at the finish before we leave the air today, and we'll go to Dick Brooks. Hopefully he's caught up with some of the runners-up in the garage. Dick? Well, I've talked to a couple of them. Some of them are changing clothes now, but we was talking to, to, uh, to Bobby Allison. Bobby's got probably more time in race cars than anybody here, and, and, and in a varied amount of racetracks. He didn't get to run here in the first few races. I guess he was old enough. He just didn't come up for him or something. But, but uh, what do you think about it now today, Bobby? Well, uh, I think you know. I think we'll be able to deal with the track okay. It was tough on brakes today, and uh, the bumps going into one and the bumps going into five uh, certainly upset these cars pretty bad. But uh, you know, I think that uh, we come back here next year. Uh, possibly NASCAR will give in and let us lighten the cars a little bit, and plus we'll be. Uh, more familiar with what it takes to, to get around this place good. And, uh, you know, I guess uh, we just try to do a little bit better. Well, I'll tell you, for the crowd and the fans, and, and uh, you know, you couldn't expect a better crowd. The weather was good, and it's a beautiful sight up here on top of this hill. I think next year is going to be a whole lot different. Well, I think so. Uh, I hope that uh, we can get our stuff a little bit better together. And uh, I've enjoyed it up here. I stayed up there on uh, Seneca Lake at, uh, at the uh, Glen Manor Inn, and, uh, that place is gorgeous, and I even got to go out and go fishing a little bit yesterday afternoon. So uh, it is pretty country, and we'll look forward to coming back. Okay, Barney, back to you. Not a bad run for Bobby Allison. He comes up with a 12th place finish here this afternoon. Let's take you back through the field a little ways. Richmond the winner, Waltrip will finish second, Earnhardt third, Bill Elliott fourth. Give a lot of credit to Bill Elliott too, man, his teammates, because they really busted their chops, as Bobby Allison says, to put that car back together to even get it in the field yesterday, and he posts a fourth-place finish here today. Neil Bonnet, an outstanding run, will be credited with fifth, sixth going to Rusty Wallace. Good run for him today. Ricky Rudd drove a brilliant race also, ends up in seventh spot. Benny Parsons will end up in the eighth position. Kyle Petty with a good run in ninth, and Richard Petty right behind him. That's becoming a habit lately. Richard's not going to like that, finishing right behind Kyle, but that's the way it works today, and he is in tenth. Finishing 11th, Morgan Shepard, the 12th spot, going to Bobby Allison. 13th to Dave Marcus. Phil Parsons finishes 14th. Road racer Tommy Riggins had a good run and finishes in 15th position. Kenny Schrader comes up with a 16th place run. And Mike Walter, despite all his problems here today, is credited with a 17th place. 18th to George Fulmer. Back in the 19th after all his problems and all kinds of headaches for Jeff Bodine here this afternoon. And Rick Noop will finish in 20th spot. Jimmy Means is 21st. Rookie Chet Phillip, 22nd. Rick Wilson is 23rd, with 24th going to Buddy Arrington and 25th to J.D. McDuffie. The local Corning New York driver, Tom Rotzel, finishes 26th. James Hilton was 27th. Bobby Hillen, 28th. 29th was Al Unser. 30th to Eddie Beerswall, 31st to Pancho Carter. 
credited with 32nd, Terry Labonte, 33rd will be Joe Rutman, 34th, Harry Gant, Phil Good was 35th, and Giacomo Giacomo Jr., the Poughkeepsie, New York driver, wound up in the 36th spot. More from Watkins Glen, New York, here's Harry Hyde's Tech Talk. Hi, I'm T.G. Shepard, and this is the Folgers Racing Tech Talk Show. We're here at the racetrack with the Folgers Racing Team getting things started with a steaming hot cup of Folgers Mountain Grown Coffee. Now, the pit crew... Hey, T.G. Hey, how about a cup <laughs> for me? Here Thanks, T.G. Now, because nothing brightens my morning... Hey, T.G., <laughs> do I smell Folgers coffee in your sure. throat? here, let me pour you a cup, too. Well, thanks, T.G. Sure, sure. Now, like I was saying... Hey, T.G., old now, buddy. wait a minute, guys. Now, if you can make a car move as fast as this Folgers, you get to hear me sing. So, here we go. The best part of waking up is Folgers in your cup. Uh, say, T.G. Why don't you just pour us some more? Yeah, sure. of your thanks, guys. Just, thanks, guys. Just win the race. Just, just win the race, okay? Now, here's our crew chief, Harry Hyde. Hello, everybody. Today's topic is tires. All cars use tires made by Goodyear. They're 86 to 88 inches in circumference and approximately 10 and a half inches wide, mounted on 16-inch wheels. You're allowed as many tires during a race as needed. And a very important factor called tire stagger comes into play. Tire stagger is the size of the tire measured on the circumference. Too much stagger between the left front and the right front, or the left rear and the right rear, you'll get a loose condition. This is due to different air pressures we use to compensate for centrifugal forces. We try to hold tire stagger to between one inch and zero. And we try to get all four tires within one inch stagger. Thanks, Harry. We'll see you next time on the Folgers Racing Tech Talk Show. Let's check in down in the garage area. Dick Brooks and Ed Jarrett have been chasing around trying to find a couple more of the fellows that finished well up in the field today. Someone that really had a good run that uh, started off really, really great and then had a few problems going along with a flat and, a, and an oil leak or whatever it was Rusty Wallace and, and ended up with a, with a good finish anyway, Rusty. What do you think about the track? Well, Dick, I really like the place. It's a good racetrack, and I had a lot of fun on it. And, uh, you know, our car just runs super strong at the beginning of the race and really all through the race. And uh, NASCAR black flagged me because we had a transmission blown out oil. And, uh, and after we had to come from the back to the front again, I blew a left rear tire out. And when that happened, it broke a right front shock. And I was just catch up all day long. And, uh, uh, but, you know, it run good. And I felt we had the car to win the race. And it's too bad that shock broke because I think we had them. Well, you're going to be coming back here for a long time, I guess. If they, if they keep running these, which I think they will, there's an awful good crowd and everybody seemed to be happy with it. Are you looking forward to coming back? Are you like the road races or you like the circle tracks? or what? Well, I tell you, Dick, I really like the road races. They're a lot of fun. And I like the circle tracks, too. You know, before I got together with the Blue Max boys, and I really didn't like road racing a lot, but they taught me a lot. They put a good car underneath me, and now I can run up the front and lead the race, and that's what's fun about it. So uh, I'll take everything, and I'm looking forward to coming back. And I tell you, we got close to that second win, but we'll get them. I expect so. Rusty's going to be around a while, it looks like. They run a good race today. Comes up with a sixth-place finish. Not bad at all after the multitude of problems he had. Let's go to Ned Jarrett. Well, the fellow that came up with the third-place finish is Dale Earnhardt, driver of the Wrangler Chevrolet. Dale, a uh, good run for you there today. Well, I'm proud of the, you know, the whole crew. They did a good job in the pits. Uh, we got a little behind there at one time with the tires wasn't working quite well as we wanted and was, you know, got to stagger off and was just to that and got back and the guys get a good pit stop and got to get back up to the front and we made some up on the track and some up in the pits. And, you know, I was really uh, worried about today and the brakes, the uh, cars are lasting, the motors, uh, over revving them, all kind of things. But I think for the first NASCAR show here at Glen in, in years, uh, everybody had an all around good time. Uh, you know, we sure did. We come out of it. We, we got beat a little on the racetrack with points, but still we didn't get beat, you know, we didn't fall out and get beat that way. And if, uh, you know, if I lose this points championship, I want to lose it on racing. I don't want to lose it in the pits, and I feel like the other guys want to want to win it that way. And, uh, 
you know, it's going to be a good, uh, good run out here from here on out of this year. And, uh, you know, we're just happy with the finish today and happy to come out, come out here alive. Well, Dale, the MRN crew has voted you the timeliest move of the race award primarily for your approach here today and a little bit more conservative, it appeared, than you normally run. Well, I, were, I was a little more conservative. I want to thank everybody for, for giving me that move, uh, award. And, uh, you know, Timex does a good job with everybody in racing here in NASCAR racing, and it, it sure is good to get some from them. But, you know, uh, we went at, went at it from the start with the attitude of, you know, let's look, look at it, see what it does, see what the car does, and uh, take care of the brakes and see what everybody else does for the first half. And uh, after the first half, I started running a little harder. But uh, after that last pit stop, I really put the pressure on the end in the car. It did what I wanted to, but right there at the end, it was starting to go away. So uh, I just about used it up, but except for the brakes. We had plenty of brake pedal left and plenty of pad. Well, Dale, we'll see you next week in Michigan. Thank you, Ned. i tell you, somebody that looks really good for, uh, for the problems they'd had in the last couple of weeks is uh, Neil Bonnet. Neil, you had a pretty decent run. Well, in fact, you had a really good run. You run good and hard all day. How do you feel? Well, I feel good. Uh, personally, I, you know, I surprised myself. I thought I'd really get tired at the end of the day, but I didn't. I kind of got greedy is what happened to me. When I moved up here and got around Darrell and got in a second, we thought it might go green. And I ran the car too hard at that stage of the race and just burnt the brakes completely off. And that last restart, restart on, I was just pumping the brakes, didn't have anything the rest of the day. Well, I was going to ask you about the brakes. Some guys say they had some problems. Some guys say they didn't. If a guy ran here at a good normal pace all day, would you have any brake problems at all? I don't think so. I think what happened is I kind of got greedy. I hadn't finished any races lately and I hadn't been running up front. And the opportunity came along with about 30 laps to go when I used the car up too soon. If I'd have waited to probably 15 laps to go, I could have made a run there at the end. Well, you're not even dirty, so it must have been a short day. Nice, easy day. Another day at the office, right? Stayed on track for change. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> we'll be right back with more from Watkins Glen. Well, it's all over here at Watkins Glen as Tim Richmond has pulled out the win here. It's been a long time, about 21 years since the NASCAR Winston Cup drivers came up here and put on a show, and put on a show they did today. I don't think there's a fan here who will leave that won't be talking about this race for a long, long time. And I'm sure we'll have another packed house here next year. NASCAR returns to Watkins Glen International. On the Talladega broadcast, a lot was said about a rather unique movement among the NASCAR truck drivers, the fellows that drive the big rigs that haul the NASCAR teams and cars and equipment to and from the races. Eddie Thrapp of U.S. Tobacco and Johnny Hayes put together the Hayride 500, a caravan for care that helped bring some hay from Ohio, uh, where the weather has been good this summer, down to the farmers of North Carolina. It was started out with four or five truck drivers, and it ended up with over 40 machines and the governors of North Carolina and Ohio participating. Eddie gave us a quick little recap of what happened last weekend, and you can hear the pride in his voice for having got that going off the mark and just a groundswell of response to it. Well, Mike, it really was, you know, the, the initial idea was, you know, maybe get five or six of the truck drivers and go up there and get five or six loaves of hay. We come home with 49 loaves of hay. It, uh, it was really a touching thing, both leaving Charlotte Motor Speedway and leaving up there in Columbus. It, uh, I think it got next to a, a lot of people involved to, to be involved with this thing, and it, it really meant something in, inside of the, of the people doing it. Most of the car haulers from the NASCAR circuit were involved since it was an off weekend, and the governor of North Carolina came to Charlotte. He was supposed to be there to make a 20-minute speech, and he stayed for over an hour and a half. And folks were on the CB all up and down the route talking to you, the NASCAR haulers. tell you who that really impressed was Tim Richmond. He made the run, drove one of the rigs up there, and drove it most of the way back. He dropped off the hay that they picked up up near where I live in Yadkinville, North Carolina. 
and he told me when he, he went out of Yadkinville and down Interstate 40 to go back into Charlotte, North Carolina, he said he couldn't believe how many people were on the overpasses waving and yelling and wanting autographs and everything and really choked the boy up. He was very emotional about it yesterday. He said he was glad to do it, and he would gladly do it again this week in his couple of days off. And it, overall, it was a big success, and the folks really appreciate it. Well, it was a nice thing that Winston Cup Racing could do for the folks uh, that are undergoing such severe drought problems down, down in the Carolinas. Well, we'll look forward to next Sunday up at Michigan International Speedway. They repaved that racetrack this year, and Marnie, I guess we're going to see a little more of that three- and four-wide racing that we've seen in the past up there. Well, they think it'll be better than it was when we went there the first time this year in June right after the paving deal because the second time there, the surface is cured out a little bit more. I don't see how it can be any better. They were three-wide all day and four-wide in the corners. Michigan has had a reputation over the years as being one of the favorite tracks of the Winston Cup drivers, and they sure did a number up there last time. I can hardly wait to watch the one next weekend. It'll be a dandy. It will be, so tune in to Motor Racing Network next Sunday for all the action of the champion spark plug 400. Our thanks to Gary Montgomery, who covered the action down in turn number one. Eli Gold, who was up through the S's. Dr. Jerry Punch at the end of the back straightaway. Joe Moore at turn five, and Dave Sutherland at turn ten. Dick Brooks and Ned Jarrett on pit road and in the garage area. On the scoring loop today, Luis Frazier and May LaRue. Our spotters were Jack Canavan and Bill Sloboda. Pit runner was Eddie LaRue. Assistant engineers Nelson Crozier and Harry Howard. Thanks to the Piedmont Airlines Oldsmobile team and Terry Labonte and the Alugard Pontiac team and driver Rusty Wallace for carrying our in-car radios today. And special thanks to ESPN, the Entertainment and Sports Programming Network, out of Bristol, Connecticut, for their technical assistance. Those of you listening to our broadcast today on radio will get a chance to watch the replay of the Budweiser at the Glen on ESPN later this week. Check your cable TV schedules for the air date and time. For Barney Hall, this is Mike Joy congratulating Tim Richmond, who joins a very elite group of NASCAR drivers, Buck Baker, Billy Wade, and Marvin Panch as the fourth NASCAR winner here in the Budweiser at the Glen. The Motor Racing Network's coverage of the NASCAR Winston Cup Series from Watkins Glen International has been sponsored by Anheuser-Busch, Brewers of Budweiser, Beechwood Aged for that clean, crisp taste. This Bud's for you. Buy Skull Bandits, tobacco in a convenient pouch you can enjoy anytime, anywhere. Buy Pontiac, America's road car company. Pontiac, we build excitement. Buy Wrangler Brand, a legend in jeans. Buy Piedmont Airlines, the official airline of NASCAR. Buy STP Oil Treatment, the advanced technological formula that helps your engine run cleaner with less wear. Buy Levi Garrett Chewing Tobacco. Time after time, the quality comes through. Buy Timex Corporation, the official timekeeper for NASCAR. Buy Gatorade Thirst Quencher. Gatorade gives your body what it's thirsty for. Buy True Value Hardware Stores. The more you've got to do, the more you need True Value Hardware. Buy Kentucky Fried Chicken. We do chicken right. Buy Unical. The winning spirit rides with you every time. It's the spirit of 76. And buy Ocean's 11 Resorts on beautiful Daytona Beach. The general manager of the Motor Racing Network is John McMullen. Chief Engineer Brian Cooper. Director of Affiliates Alan Bestwick. Assistants Pat Hensley and Cheryl Parkman. This is Rick Lewis speaking. This broadcast was a presentation of MRN, the Motor Racing Network, a division of International Speedway Corporation. This week's MRN Classic Race has been brought to you by Hercules Tires.